I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Cult Popcher podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch or get two extra exclusive podcasts a month, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopcher. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Cole Popsh Podcast. My name is AJ and I will not keep you waiting for too much longer because as you can see, this is a whopper of an episode. Uh, this is just us continuing our chat about the most disappointing films of 2018 uh, slash our chat about every film in 2018 apparently. Were they all disappointing? You're about to find out. Um, so this episode we'll be talking about uh, the ones we talked about in our most anticipated episode from over a year ago, um, as well as some that we didn't talk about in that episode that we became aware of after uh, that podcast aired uh, that still came out within the year. Um, so as usual, as we said with the last one, uh, there will be spoilers for not all, but some of the movies we talk about. And if you want to know what we talk about and when we talk about them, those are in the show notes below with time codes. Um, so that's all I have to say about that. And uh, let's get to it. Woohoo. Yeah, let's go. All right. All right. Well, uh, we're back. It's uh, me, Richard, joined by AJ and Jeremy again. It's a me, a Mario. And it's a me, Luigi. Oh, I don't like that you made me Luigi. <laughs> you could have been Peach. It's a me, Wario. It's a me, Bowser. <laughs> um, yeah, like, we're back and we're here to... Thanks for coming back. Hopefully you enjoyed the last episode. Hope you listened to the last episode. But mm. anyway, we're still here. We're still dissecting Imagine if someone is movies. just picking it up from here. They're like, nah, fuck it. Part one's not for me. But I'd like to <laughs> jump in at part two. That'd be great. There'll be so many. There'll be so many like inside jokes. I only listen to Tuesday podcasts. <laughs> oh wow, um, a whole new audience for you guys. Yeah, yeah. No, Tuesday could be a big day for us. We don't know. <laughs> mm. um, but I'll tell you what, it's not a big day for Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald. Is that what we're talking about? Is That's that the, the first one we're talking That's about? A hot place to start, guys. Yeah. Speaking of hot, it's real fucking hot in this room. It is. It really is. It is here too. Um, we I, we did skip Holmes and Watson. We didn't want to just quickly mention that that was the the shit and the orange juice of the year. <laughs> we don't want to we don't want to just quickly brush over that and be like um, none of us saw it because apparently, uh, it was it's apparently it's got five yeah. percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it started at 5%. zero percent, and Netflix turned it down. Man, Man. did not. Ex- I'll be honest. The trailers, I was like, oh, that could be funny, but mm, I thought it looked pretty bad. I just saw the. I the thing is, I didn't even see a trailer. I just saw the um, billboard, and I was like, "Oh yeah." I mean, you know, maybe they've learned their lesson and they're they're better now. But apparently, they're not. No. So mm. it is just crazy how like someone can be funny for a period of time, and then <laughs> humor moves on, and they can't match it. Mm, well, because wow. like they, um, I mean, the film was filmed like two or three years ago. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, that's always a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's like, maybe if I take a dump and I just store the turd somewhere, it'll become nice over time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> um, Netflix, okay. would you like my poop? <laughs> Netflix is like, no. We've got enough poop with the Cloverfield Paradox. Um <laughs> Okay, so Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. Now, AJ, you famously didn't yeah. like this film. Famously. Um, see, there's one of those in-jokes that you wouldn't have got if you didn't listen to the first half. Exactly. Um, now, because Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is your favourite Harry Potter film, and I believe this is your least favourite. Is that correct? That's what my ranking currently says. Allow me to explain a bit more of that. If you go on my letterbox, which there are links to in the Please show notes don't, below. Don't encourage them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I have quite the controversial choice of saying Fantastic Beasts, the first one, is my favourite Harry Potter universe film. Um, I was talking about, to someone about that the other day, and I explained that the one time I've really sat down and watched all eight Harry Potter films was when I just finished reading the books for the first time. Right. And so I was comparing them to the books, and... I didn't. I thought the movies didn't really do the books justice. And say what you want about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, but at least the story is complete, and you don't know like what stuff you're missing out on because there's no book it's based off. So that's. I'm sure if once we inevitably do Harry Potter for film franchise Fortnites, uh, I'm I'm almost certain my ranking will change. But. Yeah, it's interesting that you um, say that like Fantastic Beasts and where to find them is a complete story because that's my main complaint about it. It's, no, it's the first episode of the like yeah. the Harry Potter prequel yeah. miniseries. It's, yeah, it's the first mm. fifth of a um of a movie. For sure, for sure. I shouldn't have said the word complete. I should have just said you don't know what you're missing out on, which to me was yeah, a four fifths a of a plus. movie. But it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first of all, AJ, just a little correction there. You said Harry Potter universe. I would correct you to say the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, for of which course, we got I a apologize. logo uh, at the beginning of this movie, which I thought is hilarious to create a universe logo for the second movie in a five movie series well fuck um ghostbusters 2016 had ghost core at the start of the movie which was going to be their universe (laughs) the mummy had dark universe as well yeah Um, but the crimes of grindelwald i felt it's interesting because i had a really great experience with grindelwald comparatively because i had sat through i ended up only going to see it on christmas eve so i'd had almost a month of everyone being like oh man this movie's bad oh it's terrible oh it's so and i went into it expecting to absolutely hate it and i actually was just like oh that's pretty good there i mean there's some bits that went way too long there's some storylines that didn't really go anywhere but ultimately I actually quite enjoyed it as an episode of a of a long TV show like The Bodyguard, and I I, I felt that it was one of those things where if I had read the book of it and had all the detail that was sort of skipped over in the movie filled out by my knowledge of the book, I actually would have enjoyed the movie more. It kind of like Goblet of Fire, yeah. you know? Yeah, like I think because this is one of those films that like. Um it committed a sin with like Harry Potter fans, um, mm. which is spoiler alert, the, the twist ending that Ezra Miller's character is a Dumbledore. Mm. Um, and, but again, this is one of those franchises that like, I don't really have like the, a massive attachment to. So like messing with the lore, it doesn't really matter to me. It was yeah, just like quite if, a boring if, if film. If Marvel messed with the lore of the cinematic universe, I'd be like, oh, whatever, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I'd be more likely to be like, Ooh. Um, but uh but even then I, I wouldn't really care that much but um yeah so that kind of stuff didn't bother me it's just like yeah i checked my watch and was like fuck this this must be over soon and it was like 35 minutes into the film 
um, because it had felt like it had been going for just shy of two hours. Right. Uh, yeah, and like it's one of those interesting things though, where like Johnny Depp isn't the worst part of this film. He's actually like he delivers a pretty fine totally. performance as Brenda Wild. And it's one of those things where he's terrible in real life, which almost makes him a better villain because you really don't like him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, well, look, um, I ranked Crimes of Grindelwald as 45th out of 51 on my two 2018 film rankings. The ones that beat it include Hellraiser Judgment, The Princess Switch, The Holiday Calendar, <laughs> The Two Pup Star Films, and A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding. You, you think this they was- were all better than... They were they were the only ones that are worse than right, Grindelwald. Right, so they didn't beat it. They no, yeah, but that that's what that beat, beat it for last place. What, I mean. What's just above Grindelwald? Um, uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. Oh my goodness! No, oh, sorry, look, Jeremy, just on, just on production value alone, this movie yeah, should well, beat that. It should. I, it shouldn't. It. I agree <laughs> with you because yeah. Jeremy, not not only am I baffled by your it wasn't that bad opinion of it, I'm disappointed that you didn't hate it because <laughs> I was looking forward to that. I was looking forward to you joining me as we clink our figurative glasses and just rip into this garbage bag of a okay, film. Okay, so you've said a lot about just sort of broad strokes. I want Tell me why you hated this movie. I found this movie incomprehensible. So as, as Richard said, um, it's, it's very slow and boring and... I also agree with you said, Jeremy, that it feels like it's based on a book that no one can read. Like, has like, more detail. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, that's the problem with J.K. Rowling having such a heavy hand and actually being the person who writes it. But it's almost like she doesn't know how to write movies. She knows how yeah. to write books. Yeah, that's 100%. Mate. Yeah. Like, she needs to, it needs to be story by J.K. Rowling and mm. written by a screenwriter because like she like fine come in and be like oh um the wizards which the wizards actually piss and shit wherever they want um <laughs> and then um and then get like an actual screenwriter to to take that story and make it not sound mm. just like the dumbest thing you've ever heard this movie is as a bunch of people um standing in a room telling each other their backstories and then one fin- when one finishes their backstory the other one's like all right now it's my turn to tell you my backstory <laughs> and they tell you the backstory and that's maybe fine in a book uh yeah in this case i didn't like it i also found it actually quite um difficult to follow in in certain parts yeah. um yeah, when, I agree. It, when it finished i turned to the people because i i you've probably you might have picked up on this on some 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 of the podcasts before we don't talk about it too much um i have kind of like a a developmental issue with understanding complex plots like if i if i'm watching a movie with a complex plot i've real i've got to sit down watch it read the wikipedia article afterwards to get an actual to actually understand it which is really frustrating that's why he doesn't like heist movies exactly no that's legit um and that's that is really frustrating to happen in a harry potter movie um and after it finished i thought you know maybe it's just me maybe i just didn't understand it again and i turned to the people who i went to it with and i said could you guys follow any of that movie and they all stared blankly at the screen and shook their heads because we were all just <laughs> so we just like the the part you're that, all so dumb yeah yeah well, well just, i'm sorry for you then that's why you didn't enjoy it because you're <laughs> dumb and you can't yeah. follow movies that are a little more complex mm. than books you've already read before yeah no, no, sorry it doesn't sure. hand the information to you on a silver platter no, AJ. Okay. so i i agree <laughs> with you that it is that the way the story unfolds you're like what huh? huh? especially the worst the worst 
the worst part of it for that is the ending bit where they're all in that big chamber and basically yeah. John, Johnny Depp's like, hey, come and join me or die by the blue flame. And he sends out the blue flame and it sort of seems to depend on whether – like it's a it's a test for how true yeah. you are and you're following – and your decision to follow him. And if you walk through the blue flame or touch by it and you're not – and your heart is not with him – or you don't believe in him, then it's like a real intense altar call. <laughs> sure. Um, anyway, so, and then the the thing that I didn't really get, like I got that and it was quite a good visual sort of like, are you with me or not? Which is nice. But then uh, Zoe Kravitz's character, I was like, wait, what is she doing? Like, is she, go- I, I do- and, and the thing is then she burns up, right? And you're like, yeah. wait, hold on. What's the point of that? Like, why is, yeah, what's this? The film wants you to know where she stands and be conflicted with whatever a decision is, but you don't know where she stands because the movie's so confusing. We don't but also, care. What, what was the point in her dying? That's the thing I don't yeah. get. It's like it's not like she was protecting someone. Like she looked back at them and was like, "Oh," and then she like yeah. you know, basically she basically turned to ash um, yeah. as she looked back at them. Um, and then, and then, and then you're like, but. Why did she? Why did that happen? Yeah, it's a real dumb movie. The the part that I felt really encapsulated my I don't understand what's going on here moment is when uh, Newt and Jacob are looking for, um, what's her name? I remember Goldie's name. What's the other main character's name? <laughs> I don't remember. But they, they're looking for for the love interest, and um, <laughs> she. That they go to France and they do that little thing that makes all the streets go gold and he gets out the niffler and it's like running around and that's what shows him where she is. And I was just like, what are, what are you doing? I don't I don't understand the science behind what you're doing right it's not now. Science. It's you magic. mean the magic behind yeah, what they're doing? The, the, yeah, exactly. I don't I don't <laughs> I you need to be like, I'm gonna do this so that this will happen. And the best part is is Jacob's a human, so you've got your audience surrogate there, and that he just doesn't ask, What are you doing? And that was like that was the piece of But you're of just me supposed like, to sit there in yeah. amazement and wonderment at the beauty and the kind of like the 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 magic of it and it's just like don't ask questions of the magic if it leads if he knows what he's doing and it leads you to the right answer then it's magic yeah that's my issue with this film there's not enough exposition no listen listen. (laughs) there's too much magic and not enough exposition in the harry potter movie whatever guys every other spell in harry potter at least you understand the context of what you might not understand the like inner workings of it you understand why it's happening we've moved from a world in which all the children are learning spells to a world in which accomplished adults who literally their job like for the aura you know, uh, I'm pretty sure that um, Eddie Redmayne's character is, an, is some kind of, you know, beast aura. But, like, they're all adults and they all know how to use magic. Now, the one thing I agree with you on is that they now, for some reason, can just produce spells without even seemingly having a wand or uttering a spell. Like, you know, basically, um, Grindelwald doesn't even use, use it. He just sort of, like, has magic coming out of his hands or whatever, like, for most of the movie. Uh, I, I just, think yeah. that's just how good of a wizard you are. But I even, think, even even Dumbledore uses a wand. Yeah, I think wand yeah, Dumbledore like, sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, wand, that's why he doesn't do anything because he sucks. <laughs> Wands are like training wheels. I think. Look, no, I just that's that's one of many things I didn't like about this movie. I just thought it was, I thought it was terrible. I thought it was so bad. It is. Yeah. It is easily easily the worst Harry Potter movie. Yeah, like but, no uh, contest. I ranked this forty nine out of fifty seven films. Wow. Between yeah. uh, well, Pacific Rim Uprising and Pop Star World Tour. <laughs> <laughs>
That's awesome. Well, yeah. I, I, I've just realized that I've sort of just really relished in sharing all the terrible moments from this movie and not really given you guys anything about why I did enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, so let's move on. <laughs> but the, the one thing I will say is that I was excited at the end of it because I feel like it was all of the expositionary kind of like, you know, just it was all the roughage that you have to get through before you can just, it, I think it sets up the next lot of movies with all the places and puts all the key characters into their places and shows you what's going to happen. So it sets up for a sort of a run downhill for the rest of the movies. Right. So, I mean, I hope that means they're good. It doesn't mean this one was. Yeah. No, 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 no. And, and, <laughs> and, and again, it, I, I'm not saying, I, I don't think, again, this is the perennial discussion we have. I'm not saying that this is a good movie. I'm just saying I enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, AJ, would this this would be one of your most disappointing of the year, wouldn't it? Um, I wasn't, I don't know if I was really looking forward to it at any point. So the word right. disappointing might not apply, but this was the worst movie I saw this year. That wasn't a straight to DVD or straight to Netflix shit, right. you know, well, I mean, cause, but half-ass like- attempt. In terms of like, because um, you have like disappointment, which is like going into it, you think it's going to be one way and then it's another way. But like of all time expectation, which would be like coming out of Fantastic Beasts, you would have been like, can't wait for the second one. And by the mm. time you get there, you're like, this is shit. Yeah, I guess you. it was a pretty, um, a pretty toe in the water kind of disappointment, though, because it's right. not like it's you not like you invested in it. Yeah, it was it was. But it was also very it was becoming increasingly more obvious as time went on that jk rowling is george lucasing the harry potter oh, franchise yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i could agree i can agree on that one. i i'm not at all surprised that this had the critical reception it did although i feel like i'm harsher on it than most critics but that's probably I, because i'm dumb and didn't understand most of the movie i'm gonna make a <laughs> prediction that the fantastic beasts moniker at the beginning of this series is gonna drop off before the last movie yeah yeah and that that's what frustrates me and we did a whole podcast on this and i'll say it again for those who don't know it Give me a Fantastic Beast series. I don't want a Grindelwald series. No. Make a Grindelwald movie. Like, why use these characters to tell the Grindelwald story? Yeah. I was so excited when I heard that they were going to make a, a series that, by its title alone, suggests we're exploring. We're going to explore the where to find them, and we're going to see the Fantastic Beasts. And that really hasn't... Not even in the first one, not really. You could argue it's in the first one, but the second one especially is like... Uh, yeah, it's Fantastic Beasts still. Like, I, I the, my, the saving grace for the Fantastic Beasts series for me is I, I love Newt Scamander. I yep. think he is a fantastic protagonist. I yep. would watch him in five movies. And I even liked him in Grindelwald. But that's the only thing I really like about these movies. I don't really care about... I, li- I don't even think Jude Law's Dumbledore was particularly you know thrilling i didn't i didn't think johnny depp was bad as grindelwald but he yeah. was fine you know um, like yeah can i just say as well that one like as much as i don't like this movie there's one complaint that to me was just so so ridiculous people saying that like they didn't they like hid the homosexuality of dumbledore and grindelwald people are like oh they, like, they don't reference it enough they're trying to silence it but it's like I got like you can watch the film and get that they have some kind of relationship and presumably have explored more on the other ones but mm. like as badly as this movie is written like that's just good screenwriting is not just being like because yeah. he's like oh I, I can't move against him and and you're like and then you, it shows through the film that they've got a relationship but it's like what did you want 
Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't move against him because I'm so gay for him and, and <laughs> we're gay together and we do all this gay stuff and also, I'm gay. Also, if you've got a five-movie story arc, you think about if it was a male and female relationship and then right at the beginning, one character's like, oh, I, I you know, I, I can't. You would know, but you're like, oh, they're fucked. Yeah, sure. And, yeah, and, and, and like um, the fact that it's they're like, oh, this like you know they're they're ashamed because it's gay. It's like no, it's a shame. He's ashamed because he's in love with Hitler. Like <laughs> you wouldn't advertise that. <laughs> yeah, the 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 gay stuff in it is like by and large storytelling is told best with implication, like especially character backstory. Yeah, um, and showing. Yeah, because like, you see the mirror of Eris and yeah, they're exactly. together and, and it's, so it's like silly. Yeah. Personally, as a straight man, I was like, "Yeah, that's about as much as I would have expected." But I don't know. Maybe the gay fans of I, and like Harry I Potter get it. expect I, more. You know, the thing is that you you get for a community of people who have not seen relationships that look like theirs on screen for most of their life. Yeah. That you know, if they get told that a major character in a huge tentpole series is actually one of them, that they go, "Oh, next time I see him on screen, I." Better bloody well, you know. He yeah, better look like me, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And so I, I get why there's sort of a, and, and again, there's also for the, I think for the queer community, there's been like real bait and switch from studios. I mean, you can, if you remember, um, uh, what's his Beauty name from Beast. Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, LeFou. Uh, LeFou. You know, like that whole thing, the real bait and switch of like, oh, he's fully gay, and it's just like, what? Yeah, he accidentally dances with a man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> not, not gay enough so that if you are a homophobe, you can't watch the movie. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the basically the move that Hollywood studios are doing. Yeah, but, but I, I agree. I, 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 agree that it's it's um it's not i don't i don't think it's intentionally you can't you can't claim that they have specifically backpedaled off of that because i would think as i said before if it was a male and female relationship i think it would be quite normal for the filmmakers to actually create more mystery around it at this stage of the storytelling yeah i think that's the thing it's like like we've still just seen like these this stage in the storytelling and uh, like i don't think they retconned their relationship or anything like that which is like what they got accused of that they're like oh well now dumbledore and grindelwald don't have a relationship and so it's very clear they do and it will be explored more um but yeah i just thought that was a silly complaint that i saw a lot you look at something like there's there's a fan theory that um i don't know if i think the director straight out confirmed it that um that charles and eric from x-men first class have a have a gay gay relationship um and if so then that really enhances the movie and it makes it better and it's a cool way to examine their relationship but i guess the problem is their x-men didn't have you know 10 years worth of the author being like that's right there's representation that you you didn't see the first time round, and now we're going to go return to that universe um so i think this is maybe a case of rowling talks a big talk yeah she sucks man (laughs) <laughs> like because i'm not even like indebted into her for creating the harry potter universe like i don't care i just think she's a hack <laughs> okay you can you can shut up now <laughs> i think what one, okay. the one thing i would like to oh, see yeah. from the from this series from now on is more consistency around the rules of magic and also a little bit more like the fact that johnny depp could just turn himself into another character completely like at the beginning was well, apologies potion was that Polyjuice Potion? Yeah, but it's just like, I'm sorry, but every single person in Magic World knows about Polyjuice Potion. And wouldn't you think you'd be a little more careful about someone being able to get a, like, the most scary wizard of the whole world being yeah. able to get a hold of some Polyjuice Potion? Like, if well, you, just you the, make it yourself. If you, out of what? 
I don't know. I don't know uh, the also, fucking ingredients. Also, the, the council should just hold his trial there. Why are you transporting him? Oh, I know. It's this, just like slippery snake of a man across country. And anyone who appears, you do a test on them to make yeah, sure that yeah. they're not him with polyjuice potion. You know, yeah. it's just it's just really stupid. And then right at the end, and that's it. I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest WTF for me was right at the end when Johnny Depp's just like, I hate Paris. Let's burn it all down. And it's just, <laughs> and then they have this weird fight where he turns into a blue fire dragon and mm. they all like go outside and Nicholas Flamel's there for some reason. And he's like, no guys, I'm the one who can save you by all of us creating orange flame and then like it was just hilarious I, and I here's out. the philosopher's stone i burst out Three, i burst out laughing two, in one. this in the cinema when like you see all of them like like with their wands to the sky like going like fighting against the magic and it's just like yeah. this is just can you imagine how that would have felt to film <laughs> like <laughs> just act. everyone just standing there in a room going with like nothing coming out of their wands it's um, like don't worry guys we'll add it all in and post <laughs> okay yeah. we've spoken about this film for way too fucking we long. have we have um so we had a couple of Christmassy sort of releases. We're moving into December now. We had Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Uh, none of us saw it. By all accounts, it was terrible. Uh, and then there was also a reboot of The Grinch, which I don't think any of us saw. Um, Even though AJ was super excited about Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Uh, I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was great casting, and then I saw the trailer, and he's doing an American accent. And I was like, so you could have cast anyone. I wanted Benedict Cumberbatch to play the Grinch because he's got a voice that sounds like the Grinch, and then he doesn't do his own voice. It's infuriating. Yeah. Speaking of voices, AJ, when uh, when you because you were the one who told me about the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch was cast as that in our most anticipated podcast, and when I went back and listened to that, your voice when you said, "Isn't that a good idea?" was probably the most surprising and cute thing I've heard all year, and it was recorded at the beginning mm. of the year. So congratulations. That's a good way to describe me. It's surprisingly cute. um and then uh big new zealand release if you ask any uh new zealand um media outlet they'll tell you this was the most anticipated movie of the year (laughs) mortal engines Mm. um i didn't see it i i was going to force myself to because i was like this looks so fucking unwatchably bad but I'll, I'll need to see it myself to like actually be able to comment on it but i couldn't even bring myself to do that but aj you saw it right yeah and I know you're kind of like, we're very close to, we're potentially close to the people that have, <laughs> are they involved in it. So I don't want to talk too badly about mm. it. Well, yeah, we're closer to them than Julian Dennison. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. Hey, yeah, but look, Mortal Engines, uh, here you go. It wasn't unwatchably bad. There's a nice thing to say about it. Um, I <laughs> ranked it just above Venom um, <laughs> and behind Mamma Mia, here we go again. Look, it's just, it's, there's nothing. There's, so the way I kind of judge if a movie is good or bad is that everything starts on a flat line and good stuff, you know, pushes it up and bad, like absurd stuff drags it down. Right. So it's, it's like, I don't know. I, I always use Jar Jar Binks as an example of like, that's an example of something in a, if that was in a flat line of a movie, it drags it down. Right. Cause it's the absurd. So it's yeah. the great versus the absurd and mortal engines the whole way through is a flat line. And then right at the end, there's a big dip where something absurd happens and th- that's it. <laughs> like, it's just a, it's a real boring eh, movie. And then there's something real dumb that happens and that's it. That's what you're left with. I, the, I I wanted Mortal Engines to be really good because, yeah. as I said, I've I've got I've got friends who were in it, and I was excited for them. And 
I also just, you know, it's cool for New Zealand film, like films that are mainly New Zealand kind of people doing it. It's mm. really cool for them to do really well. Um, and I just, I really wanted to go see this movie and I had opportunities to go see it. And every time I was like, ah, I'll go see Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald instead. Or like, every single time. <laughs> you saw it nine times. <laughs> but like there was always another movie that I was like, ah, actually, to be honest, I've heard the reviews. I don't really want to go see it. And I, out of all the people that Peter Jackson can summon up to work with him, why Hugo Weaving? <laughs> like, you know, if you're going to cast like the main villain in your movie- like, unless you're the Matrix, why go for Hugo Weaving? Not a Hugo Weaving fan. I just, he is so flat in his performances. That's right. why he was perfect for Agent Smith. But he ruined, it. like, honestly, he ruined Elrond. Because if you've read the books of Lord of the Rings, Elrond nah, is I'm not amazing. a fucking nerd. <laughs> He's the most cool, magical creature. Yeah. And then, like, real joyous and happy. And then Hugo Weaving comes in and ruins him. I need right. to, to prepare like an alarm for whenever someone says something like, if you've read the books and just be like a, just an alarm. Cause the amount of times I hear that said when people are talking about why they didn't like something and it frustrates me cause I don't care. I haven't read the books. I'm watching the movie. <laughs> okay aj but you just said that you finished watching you finished reading all of the harry potter books and then you watched the mm. movies and you were really disappointed i did say that didn't i i can't there's no way i can and you know aj it fucking annoyed the <laughs> shit out of me when you said it there's no way i can scramble back from that double standard i said is there no no there isn't i lay down my life and uh let you continue jeremy yeah i think <laughs> the thing is about mortal engines is that the world just i just didn't want to spend time in that world it looked fucking depressing hmm. like yeah, it just, the whole it young just adult bleak. dystopian thing i'm over eh? yeah it, it, it tries to be better than a young adult dystopian but it's the book isn't i guess so but it, right. it's set in a dystopia yeah. so it's just like and it's yeah, for young yeah. adults we've spent too much time in dystopias man and we're already living in one so why do we want to spend more time Ooh, in one in the, best, the best oh, this, the, by the way this film's about how, how a bunch of foreigners want to take down a wall that's a, that's going to be built around a country um, just if you haven't seen it that's the plot of the movie <laughs> <laughs> the way the way I kind of look at it is if you view how Lord of the Rings the, the like the films were crafted in my like mind's eye, I see like a, a a Mickey Mouse wizard kind of you know how he like spins his hands and all the magic comes out of his hands. You know you know what image I'm talking about? Yes, mm. the yeah. Fantasia, Fantasia image. The Fanta yeah, yeah. That's what I see when I think about how Lord of the Rings is crafted. And this Mortal Engines feels more like a. Have you seen that video of Mickey Mouse on the toilet? No, <laughs> taking a shit. <laughs> no, it's more like a a like a four year old playing with mega blocks. And the, right. or try, trying to hammer a square block through a circle hole on the board. That's how this the world of this film feels like it's been assembled. I honestly think that the that Peter Jackson should be kept away from digital animation. Yeah, I mean, we should I've, as whenever people talk about Mortal Engines, we should point out that Peter Jackson didn't actually direct it, so it's hard to know how much of a of a hand he had because oh, mm. it's still happen. referred to as it's like a, Peter it's Jackson's. a Peter Jackson production and I yeah. have a feeling that like it was Christian Rivers first time directing and Peter Jackson is like his mentor so I really feel like it yeah you can kind of more so than usual you can actually go it's Peter Jackson's fault I mean the thing <laughs> is that like you look at the press tour I haven't seen a single interview with Christian Rivers and Peter Jackson has done all of the press for this movie. Mm, sure. I mean, you know, for, for good reason. The studio probably would have said that he had to. But, yeah. like, come on. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. 
Uh, well, that's Mortal Engines. Now, next is a uh, film that was actually on AJ's most anticipated of 2018 list. Hey. I'm oh talking, goodness. of course, about Bumblebee. Mm. Have you, do you guys see it? Yep. Nah. Bumblebee is the the best date movie of the year, I reckon. It's got yeah. something for everyone, man. It's like this it's, year's Princess Bride. It's yeah, no, kind of though. Like it's it's <laughs> so good. It's if 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 this isn't your favorite Transformers movie, then I think you're a loser. <laughs> that's 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 my takeaway from it. Then because, you probably like Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eth- even ethically, like the the if like because the only real Transformers movies that this one's in competition with would be the first one, and even that is like so laden with sexuality and misogyny that like this is just a wholesome film yeah that it's it's really good i reckon i really recommend this film it's a very enjoyable film this is yeah it's it's actually like a really 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 good blockbuster and it's bombing at the box yeah. office unfortunately well comparatively for transformers yeah. because it's coming out so close to the last night and people are like well it's just a transformers movie i don't need to see it. yeah we're, we're but, over transformers yeah but it is um like if this was like 15 to 20 minutes shorter it'd be like an absolute perfect top tier like a spielberg level blockbuster movie yeah 100 like it does like Mm. i did feel like dragged a little bit which might be my only complaint about it and it's like literally that is my only complaint about it um and if without that i would have absolutely nothing bad to say about this and it, it would be regarded up there with like you know some of the greatest modern blockbusters yeah or like a family film for sure yeah i think it's great like um what what it it caused me to realize what's wrong with the other transformers movies as well because as we've talked i think we talked about this on the transformers episode maybe we talked about another time but one thing that i hate and i think if i recall correctly richard you also hate it is when someone goes oh well it's not going to win any oscars it's a turn your brain off kind of film you know and the problem with that I don't accept that. A turn your brain off film is not a good film. No, well, because like, my, my thing is that they can still be good, for yeah. sure. But this is the yeah yeah exactly. They could they can still be good with turning your brain off. But the, one of the bigger problems with the other Transformers movies is that it gets to the point where you're just watching CGI metallic shards smash into each other, and you might have some color coding to know who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. <laughs> but in, in in Bumblebee, first of all, there's probably like three transformers that have significant mm. roles in the whole film so there's there's bumblebee and the two and they're all different colors and they're all different colors and Thank they all God. have distinct personalities yeah. um and when the, the stakes are set up so well so that when the final battle happens you know what's what's what you could lose you know what might what the you know how the world's going to blow up or whatever's going to happen if bumblebee fails to save the day and that's good storytelling and i never felt that in the in the michael yeah. excuse me i've got one word for you all spark okay yeah sure there you go <laughs> <laughs> We must retain the old yeah, spark. Yeah, all right, so they yell it at you a bunch of times, but this, like, the char- what I'm getting at is the characters. The 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 magic of the Bumblebee movie is the genuine, interesting characters. The first three dimensional characters ever been in the film in the series, and I include um, Haley Steinfeld's character in that especially. It's yeah, so yeah. characters you care about mixed with a simple and well told story, and that's why. Yeah. So and that's like, the thing is like. You f- you feel the stakes. Yeah. You don't just know them. You feel exactly. Them. Yeah, and like Haley Steinfeld should just one hundred percent star in films where her dad is dead, and that's important to the plot. 
She can both like, portray that very well. Yeah, like, if you ask me to name Hayley Steinfeld's three best films, it's True Grit, Edge of Seventeen, Bumblebee. Mm. And it's like, yeah, all three of those. <laughs> um, it's a very weird niche genre that she's got it's, herself into. It's yeah. the best trilogy. <laughs> but then she did still manage to, um, and if you're done talking about Bumblebee, AJ. Sure. Um, yeah, if she did manage to break out of that um, and star in a film where she actually saves her dad's life, um, and it was still a very good film, uh, in Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> was she in that? Yeah, she's Spider-Gwen. Oh, right. Oh, shit, are we um, talking about Into the Spider-Verse now? Yep. Ah, uh, here we go. So this was uh, AJ and Mai's most anticipated film of the year. Jeremy, you haven't seen it yet, is that no. right? So you're not going to have a lot to say here. But um, <laughs> so shut up. <laughs> this film, uh, when it, when it first got uh, re- like the review embargo was lifted, it sat on a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes for a wee while. I think it's dropped to like ninety seven now. Ninety seven now, which is still incredible. And I ranked this as my number one film of twenty eighteen. And AJ, you put it second. Second, just below. Um, shall I reveal my number one? No, or, no, not no. yet. Yeah, um, this is my second, but second, but not because it's not as good as the other one. It's just the other one, I guess, because it's not as good as that. But it, it's less a case of like ranking, and this other film just like shot past it. But this got very, very close. Yeah, like this is uh, like it's almost like one of those things where I don't actually have much to say about it because it's just like it's just perfect. It's, it's, it's amazing. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I I defy I defy anyone to watch this film. And genuinely not like it. <laughs> I, oh. I can't fathom what you wouldn't like about this film. Like, it is excellent across the board. It's got a great story. It's got fantastic characters. The visual style is delicious. Like, I could watch the way the story is depicted on mute for 10 hours and be completely enthralled yeah. the whole time. Yeah, it was like, when it finished, I was like, this could be five times as long. Yeah, I'd be fine with absolutely. It. That's funny. You say, uh, I, actually, I was watching a video this morning morning um there's this youtube channel called sins sins and he like does that like everything wrong with everything wrong with videos mm-hmm. and so he'll like um and he'll pick like a bunch of criticism for something like infinity war and be like this isn't valid criticism like don't use these points when you're criticizing it. and he like found this one guy who's criticizing into the spider-verse and he starts playing the video and it's like it's a kiwi <laughs> so it's this guy with like a kiwi accent being like um Oh yeah, it like it actually just fucking it, like it hurt my eyes. Like it was the worst fucking um, the animation style. It just hurt my eyes. And he was like, um, and like his other complaints were, oh, this woman in front of me was just like laughing at everything, and it just <laughs> pissed me off. <laughs> it's so funny. Like this guy is so, and because it's, it's the guy who's criticizing it. All of his um, YouTube, all of his videos on YouTube are like. Um, SJW's taking over Doctor Who. Ratings plunge. SJW's ruined the last Jedi. Oi, someone, um, someone messaged me once or commented on something on one of the various Facebook groups I'm a part of, and I think I posted like a positive hereditary review, mm. and he commented on it saying, "Oh, funnily enough, I actually hated this movie. You should check out my YouTube channel." And I did, and I feel like it's the same guy that you're talking about, man. It might not be, <laughs> but I watched. He wanted to collab with us, and I watched his videos, and I was like, mm, "It's not that I disagree with you; it's that I don't think you're very good at this." <laughs> so it's not that his- I disagree with you; I just really don't like you. Yeah. Do you remember his name? You can no, bleep it out. I'll, okay. I'll figure it out. I'll find it later. Um, 
Okay, because I can tell you this guy's name. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Don't do that. That's closer to home than Julian Dennison. We might even know this guy. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so check out, definitely check out Into the Spider-Verse. Um, not at all disappointing. I had super high expectations for this film, yeah. and it still exceeded them. It might be the the only example of a film where I had really high expectations for it, and it still exceeded them. I can't think of another time I felt that way. <laughs> what? Oh, you just said the exact same thing. No, I'm more, I'm more saying... No, I, I'm saying I agree with no, you. No, I'm different. I'm different, no, no, I'm more saying I'm special and the unique. same thing, but I just want to hear it in my voice. Yeah, no, my, my better voice. No, Hashtag I'm, I'm saying, all podcasters. I'm saying I don't remember another film that did that for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, and, and like it managed to make the Spider-Man story feel fresh mm. as well. When in a year that we've seen... Um, Infinity War, Spider-Man on PS4, and this film. Like, and they Venom. all feel like completely different. And Venom. They all feel like different insights of this world. So, yeah. Check that out. And um, next up, we had Aquaman. <laughs> Ooh. DCEU film. Now the highest grossing DCEU film. That is film. so wrong. So, I watched this last <laughs> night because I was like, I was just like, okay. I really, I saw Aquaman coming up and I'm like, I just, I know it's going to be terrible and I just want to have fun talking about it. Yep. And so I watched it and I couldn't even make it all the way through. I was like, this is not worth my time. Really? Like, so you walked just, out of it? Yeah, I walked out of it. Well, I, <laughs> I, 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 I shut my laptop screen and- Oh, and, what? <laughs> what are you watching a camera of it? Uh, no, no, just legally, legally watching a movie cinema film from <laughs> wow. those cinemas that- have beds in them. Um, wow. That's, uh, that's I th- amazing. I, th- I need to go to one of those. I thought this was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Did you actually? Yeah. It's got like it's got heaps of flaws, but it's like it's just campy fun. Like I went with Jess. She said it was honestly one of the worst films she's ever seen. Um, and I was like, I had a good time. I thought um, my main complaints, Amber Heard was like fucking horrendous in this film. Um, she's not, like red hair girl. Like, yeah, the, the design yeah. of her character, the wig, the costume, the acting, everything was like out of a Disney Channel original movie. Um, and it was just like, every time she spoke, took me out of the film. Um, but I loved the embracing the comic book campiness. And I think it. Um, if we're getting a film like Shazam next... Um, I think this is a good segue from it's a good entry gateway drug. To yeah, Shazam. from getting these from like <laughs> your Suicide Squads and your mm. and your BVSs to that, and I, I think yeah, I, I had a great time. I can see why it's doing so well at the box office. Like, it's it's a fun movie to take your mates to and watch in the cinema, and um, yeah, I mean especially in the DC, it's obviously not as good as Wonder Woman, but it's definitely the second best DCU film. Wow. Yeah, I agree. I didn't hate it at all. I had fun with it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. do, I, I think you probably liked it more than I did, Richard, but I don't really have much. I, I certainly don't think, Jeremy, that it's a um, turn-off-your-bedroom-cinema-laptop movie screen. <laughs> for I, I can't imagine it being that bad for anyone. I thought... Um, Except for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought the... the I'll, I'll at least talk about what I liked about it. I thought it did a real good job of, of contextualizing... Um, ha- like cheesy comic book stuff because because it's set in like an entirely other you know different like culture and world. It's like this is just custom. The the Ocean Master wears this ridiculous suit because you know they hold ritual up as important and stuff like that. Yeah. So I thought it, it did really good with that. Um, I really really liked um 
the final act of the film. I thought that was really good. The from about and spoilers. You wouldn't know, Jeremy. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> spoilers, no, maybe. Spoilers for Aquaman because we're spoiling everything if we want to or, or not want to, and you know that's a risk that you have to take as a listener. Um, <laughs> if as soon as they get to the trench scene, I was like, "This is." really good and um yeah so the whole oh, that's like, the best part of the film yeah like, yeah, but, yeah but even there's like after, two shots in the that that's like yeah 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 beautiful. sure but even even after that like the rest of the movie had me on a hook <laughs> and um <laughs> the the oh, on a trident the the what's cool about it is that um it what am i trying to say I, I thought I thought uh, part of me wishes the whole film could have been more that kind of energy of the last act of the film, but at the same time, it is really impressive to see a film very organically introduce you to its huge world. We visited seven kingdoms, more or less, in this, and at no point was I like, man, they are rushing through this movie's paced terribly i thought it was paced great despite the fact it had so much to show you and so much to mm. put on. Uh, uh, yeah it is annoying that ev- that this like maybe like seven times in the film a conversation is interrupted by an explosion <laughs> and the other the other <laughs> annoying thing about it is um we're keeping up the theme of new zealanders we don't like and don't want to see in things anymore i fucking hate timuera morrison okay I what hate accent him. was he trying to do what accent was he trying to do? He starts out, he's like, oh, are you okay? And then it just, it's like, it's like they filmed the first two, two or three takes or first two or three lines of his script. And then James Wan go, goes up to him. He's like, how about we just drop the accent for the rest? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like. Because like. that's the thing. He did every second line yeah. in New Zealand or American accent. It was just like every second line. I was like, no. He's oh no, he's doing a New Zealand accent. Oh no, definitely an American fiction yeah. there. What did you call him, AJ? When? When uh, when we were talking about Aquaman. I can't remember what did I say. Tim Weirer, please stop casting me in things, Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like he doesn't want to be there. He's like, Oh, just don't like they're like, Oh, we want you to be Aquaman's dad and he's like, Oh, for fuck's sake, yeah. Right. He's like, I know I'm the only Maori actor now that Cliff Curtis is gone, but like <laughs> seriously. now that um yeah, I consider I consider Tim Weir Morrison second next to Jar Jar Binks on things that ruined the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> I, I hate him so I think he's such a bad actor. Yeah. And he just seems like a dick as well. Bring <laughs> um, make it personal. Like, no, like, yeah. like there was this show about him like trying to basically revitalize his career. And it's just him being like, yeah, I deserve to be in way more things because I'm such a great actor. Mm. Have you seen the interview where he's talking about whether or not he's going to be in the Boba Fett movie? And it's like he doesn't understand how movies work. (laughs) It's so frustrating to watch. Um, Yeah. Okay, so the thing, I found the editing of this film so frustrating. So, like, you go from this, like, vignette of, you know, Nicole Kidman and Timur Morrison being all like, hey, New Zealand, Australia, love. Our people could never get together. <laughs> our, our two worlds can never worlds be together. Our two worlds can never get together. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, just go to the Gold Coast. They're everywhere. Um, but <laughs> but, um, but and then, that sounded and then, more racist than I think you intended it to, Jeremy. Well, no. Go to the Gold Coast. They're everywhere. I Those just, filthy crossbreeds. Anyway, I just mean relationships between Kiwis and Aussies. <laughs> anyway. So, um, and then, it, then, then you have like this one moment from his childhood where he goes to an aquarium and a great white shark stops the bullies from bullying him. And then he like shows his powers and it's like, he is the king. And then it yeah. like goes to, the, he's an adult. I'm like, 
What? Can I just say, I know we've bagged on him a lot, but Julian Dennison should have played young Aquaman <laughs> in that scene. Like, <laughs> like, like, wow, he really got ripped in a short yeah, amount like, of time. That would have been so funny. If, yeah, like, that would have been, been the best use of Julian Dennison if he's the one getting bullied and then he's like, puts his, it's in the trailer, like he puts his hand up to the thing and they all obey him. That would have been it, but so it's just funny. Like, it was like this really, this tiny little vignette. And it's just like, you know, we didn't need to know that Aquaman commands the ocean. Like we could have just gone, straight from you know Nicole Kidman being taken back to the underworld i.e. Australia and <laughs> and it's gone straight to him as an adult like we didn't need that scene there was no purpose in it and then they go into this like whole pirate scene where oh my gosh the exposition was so just teeth gnawingly grating where it was just like oh father oh here, I want to give you this dagger in the middle of us, like in the middle of us conducting this raid. I'm going to choose this moment to give you your grandfather's dagger and explain to you like the meaning behind it just in time for me to die. I'm just like, oh, oh yeah. Lord, this is tortured. And it just everything about this movie, it was just like, and, and then, you know, the first time they go down into the ocean and Willem Dafoe's there and like, he's like, oh, there's terrible plans underway, blah, 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 blah. And it's already, blah, blah, blah. and I'm just like, I just don't care about any of this yeah yeah so it's good fun yeah i couldn't i don't necessarily disagree with anything you're saying jeremy (laughs) but i thought this was a fine movie i didn't really have any problem with it well this is how you felt this is how you felt when i was talking about grindelwald yeah but critic you know the critics agree with me more than you and that's what powers (laughs) my opinions Um, yeah i think this kind of did the (laughs) what gives me my power uh, yeah Okay, anyway, let's move on. Um, So next we had one that if you go back and listen to our most anticipated podcast, you'll hear AJ just listing a bunch of shit why this is a bad idea, um, which is Ralph Breaks the Internet, which was back then called Ralph Breaks the Internet, semicolon, Wreck-It Ralph 2. Um, So AJ, the stuff that you listed, do do you remember what you listed and did those things uh, like have the same, the expected impact of ruining the film so my i think what i and you can feel free to to add anything i leave out i'm not trying to ignore it i think what my main problems from what it looked like was that to me um i really enjoyed the video game world setting of wreck it ralph and it seemed like such a strange decision to ditch that behind for both the internet and also making it like this disney character melting pot it seemed like it seemed like it was a vehicle to do something else instead of a wreck it ralph sequel i think that's what i was saying yeah and um yeah it was a disney thing and and the title obviously but yeah uh we saw some jeremy you haven't seen it no all right, so you won't have much to say again. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was this was one of those films that it was really good because you and I saw this together and, we, and then a few hours later we went to go see Into the Spider-Verse as well. Mm. But um, it's like, it was really good, but it's kind of let down by the fact that it was immediately eclipsed by this like way better film. Yeah, sure. I'd say that, that and the fact that um, this, is, this is the third Wreck-It Ralph story. It should be. This yeah. feels like the third episode of Wreck-It Ralph. And there have been six years since this one and the last one, which means you could have done easy, you know, done a normal timeline of a trilogy. Yeah, like Wreck-It Ralph, Super Wreck-It Ralph, Wreck-It Ralph Online. Yeah, that's what they should have been called. Um, yeah. Listen, all that being said, this was a fantastic movie. I thought this was <laughs> amazing. I put this ninth on my ranking. 
Look so, at AJ's little magical face while he says that. He's so happy. It's so we I post, am get happy. a screenshot of that and post it as the thumbnail. <laughs> um, I just I thought this was an amazing the the this is such a nerdy, filmy, nerdy thing kind of say. Yeah, well, because you're a computer guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a computer guy. I'm a computer guy, so I liked this movie. That's what I heard a ten year old say as I walked out of the cinema. He was like, I'm a computer guy, so I quite liked this film. Um <laughs> No, yeah, so this is a real film nerdy thing to say, but the story structure in this film is like an A+. The the, the skeleton of it, the, you know, the on paper, here's what um, the, the conflicts are, here's what the characters learn, here's the character arcs. It's actually perfect. If you ever want to know how to write a really good character arc, look at Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet, because, ah, uh, it was so good. I just, I was enamored with this film. I thought it was so good. And then we immediately went and saw Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I didn't quite like it as much as you. I did really like it, but um, yeah, I think I'd gone into it hearing, oh, one of the best animated films of the year. It's so much better than the first one. And so I was like, oh yeah, no, it was pretty good. Do you not agree that it's one of the best animated films of the year? Uh, yeah, it's definitely top two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like if you'd told me last year that i'd like wreck it ralph 2 more than incredibles 2 that would have harshed my buzz man but yeah. like it's uh, i just thought it was excellent and like all the things I, I complained about i think they still somewhat stand they just didn't ruin the movie yeah well like the disney pr- i loved the disney scene yeah it's I, great it's it is great but it's still it's like and they mentioned the earbud as well yeah they do <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> yeah um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, the Disney scene was actually really fun. I was never against the Disney stuff. I was like, fuck yeah. If I was Disney, I would flex that shit. I'd, I'd, I'd still stand by the fact that it feels like they wanted to do a Disney character movie. And they were like, okay, what what trusted property can we use to do that? And they picked Wreck-It Ralph. Okay, next up we have Bohemian Rhapsody, the Golden Globe winner for Best Drama. <laughs> did it really yeah. you told me not to look up what won and yeah, i was like i'll probably see it man and you're like no we can record it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's this, so this insane. was like it happened like just just shy of an hour ago um wow. it was amazing because like the um the producer got up there and he's like whoa <laughs> we did not expect this <laughs> yeah and i'd fucking sure as hell didn't expect it um that's ins- that surprises just, me yeah, just so- goes to show how corrupt golden globes are yeah rami malik also won um best actor I'm, I'm sorry so we we stopped recording at an hour right yeah so that we could you know save what we'd done so far and um get a drink of water and stuff and then just before we started recording i was like oh, i didn't see bohemian rhapsody and you're like oh that's all good me and jeremy saw it um we're talking about it now and i was like okay cool i'll i'll sit out of this one and not offer my opinion on this <laughs> and, movie. I, and, and you can't you couldn't see me on the cam at that time but i was winking at richard like oh yes he will it's because this got terrible reviews and it won the golden globe that's yep. insane that's all I'll say about it. <laughs> I my, my theory, because all the remaining members of Queen were at the Golden Globe ceremony, and I fully reckon that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association went like, "Hey, we'll get, we'll give you the, we'll give this movie the Golden Globe if all the members of Queen promise to come and stand on stage because it'll give us like a buzzy moment that will go viral." Sure. Yeah. So like, uh, this has sixty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's so low, man. Um, and with with a ninety percent audience score, so this is um, <laughs> like if you were to um, 
like if Rotten Tomatoes was a machine that could you input a number and out comes a movie and you typed in 62%, this is the movie that would come out. Um, <laughs> like, it's the most 62% movie that ever existed. Yeah, and so also, and you know how um, uh, like Rotten Tomatoes is like a metric of how much you like this film or whatever. Yeah. The average rating for this is 6.1 out of 10. So it's like even the people that liked it didn't really like it that much. Mm. Um, yeah, so if, if 100 people saw this movie, 62 liked it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, okay, so about, well, 11 years ago now, I think, uh, Walk Hard came out, which is one of my favorite movies. It's, it's comedy. It's John C. Riley. It's a parody of biopics. And to me, that should have killed the biopic, the musical biopic, because it's like, <laughs> it's so, like, perfectly eviscerates and just just it's the same way that um austin powers ruined doing camp james bond because now it's like someone's made fun of it so precisely like and beautifully that you just can't do it anymore and bohemian rhapsody feels like a parody of walk hard like walk hard's a parody of walk the line and bohemian rhapsody is like like it, it follows the beats so precisely of what like a musical biopic should be at the like, at like, it takes really interesting stories from Queen's life, and says no, we're gonna do the musical biopic instead. So like, it, it takes, it takes good stories and waters them down. Yeah, to so tell like fit. the same story we've seen a million times. If if this was not about Queen, no one would like this movie. Like, because it like it's it, it, so many people at work. Like all the all the basic people that I work with are like, oh my god, you have to see this movie. Honestly, film of the year, and it's like, and they'll they're like, soaked. oh Richard, they'll be soaked when the Golden Globe. It's the same thing that they happened with um the Greatest Showman last year. Is this is the the film that filmy people think like non filmy people think that filmy people are into? It's like everyone yeah. who knows I love musicals were like, oh my god, you have to go see Greatest Showman. You'll love I, it because you love musicals, and yeah. I'm like, because I love musicals, I hate this musical. Yeah. I did a quick uh, little spot on uh, the radio a couple of weeks back. Jeremy actually landed me that that gig oh. um, on Christmas Eve talking about Christmas movies. Um, and they asked me about this movie and I was like, oh, I heard it wasn't that great. So I didn't see it. And they, yep, they were like, it was amazing. You have to see it. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. But I didn't. <laughs> it's so like, like you plebs. It's, it's so <laughs> derivative. It's like, um, okay. I will say Rami Malek is amazing. He did deserve the best actor at the Golden Globes. He won. I he, d- he deserved it. Yeah, I, I personally think um, Brad- I, I would have preferred Bradley Cooper, but I think Rami Malek's a, a, a definitely a good choice. He didn't not deserve it, kind of thing. Right. But um, this movie is just like you've seen it a million times in a million other places. Like, yeah. um, uh, okay. So yeah. I, I, what I will say, I, I, I broadly broadly agree with what you're saying about the overall quality of the movie but what i will say is that for me it was a movie of two distinct halves um the first half is that ridiculous biopic like um you know you've got two characters who are in a love scene and then he's like literally like 
while in, instead of making love to her, he like plays the piano behind his head and mm-hmm. he's playing the like the, the, the line from Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And he's like, oh, isn't that a nice little tune? You know, and you're just like, oh, don't show me how famous songs. So that's how he came up with Bohemian Rhapsody. Exactly. Why does Han like, Solo so- call Chewbacca Chewy? Let's find out. Exactly. So it's it's like a full movie of quote unquote fan service. Like, oh, you're a fan of Queen. Would you like to see how this happened? And it's just like yep. in a documentary style. I would. That's why I love watching documentaries because you're like, oh, this is actually history. Whereas, like, when a film is playing with drama and romance, and it's not a full documentary, it's like a biopic. You're like, I don't know how much of this is actually real, and how much of this is just like putting together a beautiful story that like yeah. is fun to watch. And so it's it's what um there's a, f- a film critic called Mark Kermode and he calls it the yeah, chubby ha moments um and basically it's from the the biopic of the carpenters and mm. Karen Carpenter f- famously actually famously um, <laughs> really, <laughs> really struggled there's the payoff <laughs> really struggled with like anorexia and bulimia yeah. and um and basically there's this bit in the carpenters movie where he says it was the chubby ha moment where like um she's reading a review and one of the one of the music critics says she's a bit chubby though and she you can see her reading it and she goes chubby huh like that and it's just like oh there's the start of her eating disorders like it's <laughs> yeah it's, it's simplifying you know? it yeah. and and so like this movie is just full of chubby ha moments it's just like like you know the band gets together and one of them says something and it's just like oh maybe we could use our bodies maybe we could get the crowd to use their bodies as an instrument and it's just like oh and that's not going to come through on the thing. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it, and it's just like the, the we will rock you stomp and clap and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. you're just like, and actually watching how the sausage is made is not that fun. Yeah, they, they changed the order of like when songs came out, like drastically and stuff like that. Like they've just had a massive, I can't remember what the order what it happens with, but they just had like a massive hit with um, like We Are The Champions or something like that. And they're like, oh, let's write We Will Rock You. But those songs came, or another one, Bites of Dust it was. Um, and the, But those songs like came out not in that order. Yeah, and, yeah. And there's like all these things like, um, they, and there's, yeah, there's an example of, so they go on Top of the Pops and they're like, on Top of the Pops, they're like, oh, you have to lip sync, which is just what Top of the Pops did at the time. And they're like, no, we're queen. We're not going to do that. Um, and it's like, so we get this, oh man, they're so cool for rebelling against the s- system. Why not tell the story of like how they, um, didn't want to do that so they sent a video in for Bohemian Rhapsody and essentially invented the music video yeah like right. that's a way more interesting story than like having Mike Myers be like I'm telling you nobody's gonna oh, bloody bang their heads to Bohemian Mike Rhapsody and Mike Myers is in this movie as <laughs> and he like, references Wayne's World oh it's just so not right it's like it's it's like fan service but specific fan service to Mike Myers himself yeah. he, play, like, he plays the, the fictional record executive that won't back them because he's not fucking real. And like, he looks like just gold a biopic member. trope. He looks like gold member. His makeup <laughs> and everything makes it. It's just like, what is going on? Okay, so anyway, sorry. I said before, it's a movie of two halves. So you have that first half, which is just like full of those chubby ha moments. And then basically this movie is actually not about Queen. It's about Freddie Mercury. And I think that's where the real strength, where, the, where, the, where basically the movie starts to actually follow Freddie Mercury's life and really get into like, the tension at the core of what and and, you know pretty much every music biopic does this where it basically looks at what what does it take what kind of person wants to pursue fame at this kind of at all costs and what does that pursuit actually do to someone 
I think the second half of the movie actually poses and answers that question incredibly well um, and really... Because mm, he's got that, that fictional um, guy that um, that opposes him and wants him to like go solo and stuff like that. Yeah, like... Oh, so it's totally fictional. Yeah. So Peter, the, ca- the whole character who's yeah, like... He's not real. Oh! <laughs> Apparently oh, he's, so he's kind dumb. of based on someone, but yeah, no, he's not real. Yeah, well, because the thing is, I, <laughs> the, my, my first comment after coming out of the movie was just like, wow, whoever wrote this movie really, really hates Paul. I, I think his name is Paul. Yeah, well, and right. it's just like, you know. Can, Who can you, cares? Can you imagine being Paul and watching this movie? Because basically he's the only villain in the whole film and he basically yeah. is directly responsible for Freddie Mercury getting AIDS. Yeah, and, and he's, he's the one who, um, because of him, Queen had that famous breakup they had for years before Live Aid and then um, they fu- they got back together famously and he was like, I have AIDS, which he wouldn't be diagnosed with for another three years. Um, Are you serious? Yeah, he got diagnosed. So I don't know any of this, which is probably diagnosed. why I enjoyed the second half of the movie because I'm like, oh man, this is so good. Yeah, well, so because Queen had this massive breakup, they got together before Live Aid. They were touring right up until two weeks before Live Aid, and then like three years after Live Aid, he got diagnosed with AIDS. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, but I, but I completely no, changed so my entire thing like, about Bohemian Rhapsody. It's a terrible movie. Like, so, it totally so sucks. The thing about this movie is, and it's like, if you hate Queen, you'll hate this movie. If you love Queen, you'll hate this movie. If, if when a Queen song goes on the radio, you go, I love We Are The Champions, you will love this movie. It's like, it's made for people who enjoy Queen, but don't actually care about the band. Like, if, you, if you're a huge up. fan of Queen- I'm putting my hand up. Yeah, that's the thing. If you're a huge fan of Queen, you follow them, you've read all the biographies, you will hate this movie because yeah. of what it, like, how it dulls down a really interesting story. Um I mean, and I mean, the- I'm, I'm not claiming to be like a huge, massive fan that knows everything about Queen. I've read Wikipedia articles. I've but you have the, a cursory the- interest in them, yeah. and that's all it took for you to know more than what this movie yeah. actually provides. And I, I followed the development of the Sasha Baron Cohen one that we didn't get as well, which obviously was disappointed and would have been a much better film. Uh, if you don't know the story about that, that's um, Sasha Baron Cohen was going to play Freddie Mercury, was attached to it for a long time. He would have actually sung as well. Um, but I mean- whether or not you think that Robbie Malik should have been singing or if they should have just used the real music, that's kind of up to you. But um, Queen said, hey, we don't want to... Uh, we think that uh, the creep should die halfway through and it should be about the band... And how we went on. How, how we went on and how strong we were and and it, and it needs to be PG-rated so all the kids can see it. And Sasha Baron Cohen said fuck yeah um no because you can't do a, a story about freddie's life and not be r-rated but they did and it won the golden globe for best drama um so, <laughs> so what do you know <laughs> yeah but you it's don't also, know it's as much a, as it's the a, hollywood v- foreign press <laughs> it's a very um pro queen movie and because how many how many surviving members of queen are there is it two or three? Oh, i think it's three i think yeah i think i don't think any of the other ones have died I wanted to double check because there's one of them because Freddie is obviously like a pretty troubled character in the film. But there's one other member of Queen who I think wasn't involved in the production. Who's the only one, the other one that doesn't come across very well. Brian May and Roger Taylor, I want to say, come across really well because they're they're the ones that were on the film. But like they were just as much like party rockers in the house tonight as Freddie Mercury was at the time. Like going every out- day they were shuffling. <laughs> <laughs> like um like having you know 
multiple multiple women and partying, drinking, drugging. But in the film, they're like, "Oh, Freddie, I think I should go to bed with my wife." Like, okay, they weren't Beatles. Freddie Mercury. I didn't realize that's well, no, what they did in the film. They were like, "No, make us look more like the Beatles." Because, um, but yeah, they were like. Oh no! Yeah, I've got to go home and. <laughs> oh, I'm, Freddy, I'm I shouldn't have done so many of those drugs. Oh, there's the most terrible yeah. Beatles impression ever. But. There was um, the my my favorite part about this film um, was there's like a running joke about a film called I'm in Love with My Car, <laughs> and it's like I think the, the drama one of the other band, members of the band wrote it and like kept trying to get it on the album, and it's like it's an actual song. You can go listen to it, um, but it's just like they keep referencing this song called I'm in Love with My Car, which is like I'm sure if you're a big Queen fan, it's like. It's their like um, octopus's garden. <laughs> That's like everyone kind of just makes fun of. But that was that was a fun running joke. Also, my other, my my final comment about this film, and um, like I can get why you would enjoy this, but it it felt very self indulgent. Is that the film ends with almost the entire Live Aid performance? So it's like because I was like, fuck it, they've they've because it starts with. Oh, Freddie Mercury's got to think about his whole life before he goes on stage, which is exactly how Walk Hard starts. Um, and then it gets, I was looking at my watch, and I was like, this is half an hour to go, and, and they're up to Live Aid. And then, oh, it's because we're seeing the entire performance. Apparently, 20 they, minute performance. they skipped one and a half songs, which are going to be available on the Blu ray. Um, and it's like, some of that would have been really cool, but after a while, it was like, you literally just it's one of the greatest live performances of all time just go watch it on youtube like which, seeing seeing which someone I did lips, afterwards yeah seeing someone lip sync to it you're not getting anything better out of it and yeah that's kind of what i have to say about Bohemian rhapsody because i have to hold my tongue every time i talk to someone about it because they go oh, wasn't it amazing and i'm like i can't be bothered in you getting pleb. getting in, <laughs> involved in this discussion with you can can we do something we haven't done yet on this podcast and give out an award Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to say that we should sing together. <laughs> no, we'll do yeah. that after. Um, can we give out the award for the cringiest fan service? And the nominees are Bohemian Rhapsody, Fantastic Beast: The Crimes of Grindelwald, and Venom. What are the the um, worst fan servicey moments in out of those three? No, not, um, sorry, not Venom. No, actually, yeah, Venom. But let's also chuck Solo, a Star Wars story, in there. Definitely solo. Oh, I think, reckon solo. Bohemian Rhapsody wants to be fan service, but it's not. But it it's fails. like it's spit in the face of <laughs> yeah. fan service. Yeah. Um, sure. Like I'm it's, it's about designed those. to win that award and yet it fails <laughs> yeah. spectacularly. But yeah. definitely solo's um yeah. solo answering questions. Solo exists to answer questions that no one was asking. Yeah, what's the what's the worst chubby ha moment of of twenty eighteen? Oh yeah, yeah. What I'm saying. Um, is that, oh, yeah, is that full of chubby ha moments. <laughs> Mm. um yeah it's uh but yeah like i said my my final like review of this is that if the music wasn't queen no one would like it because every single person i've talked to that i've explained the flaws they go yeah but the music's so good it's like it's literally because it's just queen no it's not it's not just queen they re-recorded all of it and so it's 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 still just freddie mercury no it's not yeah no it's a mix between rami malik and this guy mark someone who is the most and you look him up on youtube he is the most spot on I'm Freddie Mercury up. impersonator. No, it's it's Mark right. that doesn't make this that doesn't make the music like better or worse than no. It's, but it, it just means just that like, it's been recorded with the clarity that you can mm. get these days. But if you're like, oh, hey, Star is Born's actually really flawed, and they go, yeah, but the music's really good. That's a testament to the film. This isn't. <laughs> no, I mean, and 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 me me telling you that is not to say that I disagree with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if this was just if this was um, 
like, oh, a bisexual rock star makes it to the top with just original music from Brian May, no one would care. One, no, one thing I will say about this, though, is that as a film, as someone, because you're your distaste and dislike for the film is largely based in how not like true it is. Well, it's just the fact that it's so by the numbers. For me, watching it as someone who didn't know about the history and didn't know that a whole bunch of it was like a whole bunch of the most emotionally like resonant stuff for me as a person who's watching the film was all not actually in the order that it happened. Actually the skill of the filmmaker, like I was in that story and I was really, and like the performances, the way it was paced and edited in the second half of the film, I actually was really profoundly quite impacted by it. And I thought it was incredibly and sad so as a film as if you if you don't have those reservations about the i actually think it's a better film than you're probably willing to let it be because right, okay. of how annoyed well, you are i i think at, well and it's not even necessarily that like i'm in the know about like um the true story it's more that like i watched a film and i was like this is so formulaic and it's because there's a tried and true method of how to manipulate your feelings, when to have the highs, when to have the lows, and they rewrote the story of Queen to fit that. And, and so even, even without, idol. even without like knowing anything of, because you know afterwards I did research and and saw like what's actually happened. But I watched this movie and I was like, this is so paint by numbers biopic. It is now the highest grossing musical biopic of all time. But it's like. Yeah, there, there is a scientific method that's been worked out over years of how to make you have those feelings, and you fell for it, I guess. Hey, that's fine. Saying, yeah. Like, I mean, it's it, and and that that says something about craftsmanship as well, and yeah. the fact that I actually don't often watch musical biopics. So yeah, and I, I think seeing something like Walk Hard did kind of ruin it for me because it's just like, but the 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 whole idea of it is like, yeah, it's 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 parody essentially, like yeah. yeah, because of how ridiculously close it fits to these beats i don't i don't have a problem with biopics making stuff up necessarily but it's when they change the message that it bugs me that's why i never saw greatest showman because i think pt barnum's a piece of shit and it apparently made him out to look like a hero whereas Mm. things things like like the final game and remember the titans was actually like they were miles ahead of the other team for most of the game whereas in the movie it's depicted like they're neck and neck you know obviously you know yeah. that doesn't bother yeah. me because that's just storytelling but yeah i guess yeah. i i the jury's out for me on bohemian rhapsody because i haven't seen it yeah i think it's just because if you if you look into it there are actually a lot of more interesting stories they chose not to tell because it would have made queen look bad or and, and stuff like that it's, it's yeah, just yeah. kind of it's disappointing because we didn't get a much better film that we almost had. And we got a hagiography instead. Yeah. Um, nice. Well, I didn't realise I felt that passionately about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I haven't had this big rant anywhere else, so it's good to get out. Cause I know good I had to get out. <sighs> right, what's next, Richard? Yeah. Uh, Rami Malek is amazing, though. Yes. <laughs> I think he may have like permanently damaged his jaw, though, because when yeah, he was accepting his, the best doctor speech, and the best actor, I was like, he's still holding his jaw as if he's got a mouthful of fake teeth. Yeah, yeah. There, there is like there are some really good moments in it and some beautiful imagery at times. But um, yeah, it's also directed by Pedophile. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> okay, what? Brian Singer. Oh, okay. So I had an idea, and this is a great place for this to come up. I had an idea, and I, it hasn't come up naturally, so it's really sad. It's probably not going to be very funny. But I had this like That's great good. idea for a joke. 
where like instead of an like straight after at the Oscars, straight after the in memoriam section, mm. there'll be like a and here's all the people you can't work with anymore and <laughs> yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. talk to the anymore. Careers in memoriam. Like, we need a video segment to show the faces and names. It's like here's the people we lost this year. Yeah. <laughs> But actually, like, it is interesting that it won the Golden Globe because it's not like, um, like Solo was directed, well, like sixty percent by Lord and Mill. There, there is uh, the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, states you have to direct a certain amount, um, to get full credit. And Ron Howard directed enough that it like overwrote theirs. But they brought on Dexter Fletcher, who's doing Rocket Man next year or this year, um, and he, I think the budget was too tight and he couldn't direct enough that it would that he would get sole credit. So it's literally Brian Singer is the sole credit on it, which I think will actually probably hurt its chances at the Oscars for Best Picture. But um It's surprising it won the Golden Globe even with Yeah. The- oh, it's like it, it should hurt its chances for Best Picture. It's like no the the, the, the quality film of the film should, yeah. the film should um, hurt its chances. If this wins Best Picture at the Oscars, it'll be the lowest um it'll be like the f- fifth lowest rated film. I think that to win Best Picture. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, then we had uh, Mary Poppins Returns, which actually came out 2019 in New Zealand. Yes. But Jeremy, I believe you're the only person that's seen it. So yeah. why don't you wow us with your opinion? Okay. So Mary Poppins Returns. I am a fan of Mary Poppins. Um, it's not like the movie from my childhood and the way it is for a lot of people, but I'm, I'm a fan. It's really good. Um, I was cautiously optimistic about the sequel because I think Emily Blunt is amazing and can really do no wrong. Um, uh, yeah, what, what to say about it? Basically, it's basically, I mean, this is a comparison other people have made, so it's not my original, but it's completely true. It's The Force Awakens to A New Hope. Right, like okay, so it's it, like it a basically rehash, takes but- the formula that you love, and it does a very, very serviceable job at rehashing pretty much exactly the same story beats and the same, and especially the same songs. So there's there's like, you know, you've got Step in Time, which is the um the the chimney sweep song, right. and this oh, right. this time you've got a lamplighter song. You, you you bring up one of the only songs from Mary Poppins. <laughs> That's like, I was like, all right, so he's going to say supercalifragilistic or um a, a spoonful of sugar, and you're like, you know, Step in Time. And I was like, what? I don't know that song. <laughs> no, well, but there's a spoonful of sugar song. So like, basically, Mary Poppins yeah. arrives, and just like spoonful of sugar, she goes straight upstairs into the bedroom with the children, and like. And instead of cleaning up the room, they've got to clean themselves. So they go into the bathroom and they all, she pours the bath and they all dive into the bath and they have a super fun song where they basically, it's basically her convincing the children that she actually does have magic powers. And at the beginning of the song, they don't, they're like, no, no, no. And at the end of the song, they're like, Mary Poppins is amazing. Um, and and then, but and, and every, every moment and every song in the film has like a corollary to basically the original film and Meryl Streep oh my gosh did you know that Meryl Streep's in this movie I actually didn't so she's in a whole scene and man she does not deserve it like this is one of the I'd probably say it's definitely the the worst thing I've seen Meryl Streep do wow she is annoying in this movie the whole scene she's given is just frustrating and it's basically I don't know if you remember in the original film there's the film there's the bit where they go into like the the shop or something where um they all are laughing 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And they sing a song and they all end up floating on the ceiling. Right. And basically this is the sort of the version of that, which is the topsy She Her name, she's playing this Russian woman whose name is like Topsy-Turva and the whole thing is that every second Wednesday, um, they've come on. They've come on the second Wednesday of the month, and you know you shouldn't come on the second Wednesday of the month because everything turns topsy turvy, and her whole her whole like house turns upside down, and she has to exist on the ceiling. You know, it's just like it, it's just it's disappointing how not creative that is. You know, it's just like for, in the, in the original movie they all float up to the ceiling, and in this movie the house turns up, so they're all standing on the ceiling. You right, know, it's just okay. like and. The weirdest thing about this movie, and I think the thing that really sinks it below what it should have been for me, is that there's too many ridiculous or like magical moments. So in the in the original movie, you basically had the scene where they go into the chalk, uh, the the chalk art on the pavement, and they go into that world, and it's an animated scene. Yeah, and then they have like the scene where they're like floating on the ceiling with the laughing people, but in this movie, there's two. I need to rewatch Mary Poppins because I don't remember half of what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, that's what I was. You keep, Jeremy, you keep being like, like you remember this scene, and my answer to every time you've asked that is oh, vaguely. <laughs> it has been, it has been <laughs> years. Like, I think someone's told me about that scene before. <laughs> yeah. um, you remember yeah, when and, they, and- they walk on the roof, and I'm like. Y- I, it's definitely created a memory. I don't know if that's what I'm actually remembering. <laughs> so anyway, they they um they have at least four scenes and four songs in this movie where they either enter completely into a like an animated or other world that's a make believe world, or they do something in the real world that is just completely ridiculous and like and essentially magic. And it's too much. Mm. Like in the original movie, there wasn't that much. And it was more, f- and you could focus more on kind of the relationships and the emotional heft of the movie. And in this movie, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's too, I think Disney were like, what do kids love? Magic. And to be honest, I'm giving criticism. I think if any kid went and saw this, they would freaking love this movie. Like it is, it is magical. Kids would just love the imagination side right. of it. Oh, As an good. adult coming to this movie, I was just like, "Oh, this movie clearly isn't for me." It's still a really good movie, and to be honest, the best thing about it, Emily Blunt, her Mary Poppins, it is a very different Mary Poppins to Julie Andrews, but it succeeds, I think, just as well. Yeah, and she's delightful. She's really, really that's great. Good. So that's you, what I'd say. Um, I think it's really funny is that this um, this film in Aquaman or Aquaman came out in the same week in the states. And of the two, Julie Andrews is an Aquaman. <laughs> oh, oh, that's the other thing. There is so clearly a role in this in this film that was meant for her. Yeah, because Dick Van Dyke is actually yeah. in in Mary Poppins Returns, but not playing his he original doesn't, character. Does he do a Cockney accent? He's playing like the what's that? Does he do a Cockney accent? No, he doesn't. Oh. He doesn't. Um, so Dick, yeah, Dick Van Dyke is playing a different character, and there's so obviously a role right at the end of the movie, which is like the sort of semi-magical woman who exists in a park, who's handing out balloons that cause people to float into the sky, which is terrifying when you think about <laughs> it. Um, but apparently, everyone loves it, um, and and it's played by Angela Lansbury, and it's oh, just yeah. like, why is Angela oh, Lansbury what? in this? And then you, you, and and there's a moment where she. 
she walks up to Mary Poppins and she's like, I think it's time to go, Mary, and winks at her. And you go, oh, my goodness, this role was written for Julie Andrews. Right. Because Clearly. it's so- Oh, well, my no, no, goodness. Just, just you describing it is like, yeah, that's Julie Andrews' cameo in the film. Yeah, but it could, she turned down a cameo because she wanted, didn't want to take away focus from um, they should have. They should have taken that character out of the film then because that's oh, so- Oh, did she actually? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah, that, yeah. okay. Well, that's already known then. I just- But it's just, just well, interesting. I, I, I didn't think- I, I thought this was like, you know, years ago when they were talking about it. But because um, does Angela Lansbury have any- um, Connection to the connection, first one? I don't think so. Let me have a look. Do you remember in um, Skyfall when they go to, to the mansion and there's that old guy there that helps them? Yeah, it was going to be Sh- um, Sean Connery, wasn't it? It was going to be Sean Connery, and because it's not Sean Connery, that ruined Skyfall for me because it's just this random dude who's got no no weight to him being there. That That's what that reminds me of. I hate that. I hate when you see a role that's clearly meant for a, you know, a significant cameo that they that they just did, couldn't get for whatever reason. Uh, you know, she's Lansbury's not on Mary Poppins. Yeah. She is, however, the voice of Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast. How do you not know that? Yeah. No, it's just like, that's the connection. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's that's Mary Poppins Returns. I mean, it's it was it was probably, it was disappointing, but it wasn't super disappointing. It wasn't it was disappointing. Super, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Right. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, I'll run through the last, um, the end of the podcast. We got pretty messy, but follow-ups to that. Uh, World War Z 2 didn't come out. Not going to come out this year. Probably not going to come out next year. Probably never going to come out. Um, the Irishman <laughs> hope is coming out this year. I'm, that's we'll talk about that next week. Um, the Upside comes out in like two weeks. That's the um, the remake of the Untouchables. Um, was supposed to come out a year ago, but was shelved because of the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Um, Girl on the Spider's Web, which we all said we, we all agreed, starred Alicia Vikanda. It doesn't. It starred Claire Foy. Um, Probably should have though. Yeah, I saw this. I I really enjoyed it. It got horrible reviews, but I, th- I thought it was. It's obviously like you're comparing it to like a perfect film, which is the first Fincher film, and also you're comparing mm. it to and like it wasn't an original story. Like it yeah. wasn't a story from the original author. The so you're already from, you're, you're yeah. just multiple steps away from the original source. Yeah, and it's just like it's just fun. It could, this could, I'd be happy if this is the start of a new The Girl series starring Claire Foy, who would give up the role after a few years as um. Claire Foy's uh, great. I, I'll watch Claire Foy in anything, just not the Girl in the Spider's Web, apparently. Yeah. Shit, nah, Girl in the Spider's Web is great. I, I, maybe not great, but I certainly didn't have any issues with it. Like, mm. And Lakeith Stanfield's great. The things I liked about it outweighed the things I disliked about it, and I don't really understand why people are being so harsh on it. Yeah, people are saying it's like horrendous, and it's like it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then Overlord, did, uh, did anyone see that? No. No, I wanted to, man, but I just didn't get yeah. to it. And by all accounts, fun. it was real good. And so, yeah. like, yeah, um, Creed two. This was on my list, and just if you, if anyone, I, I know you guys don't really care, but if anyone listening to this was interested to know what I thought of it, it was great. It's, I think it was like my eleventh um, favorite film of the year. Oh, check out my letterbox. Um, yeah, it was eleventh. Check out my letterbox. Um, yeah, check that out on letterbox. Um, yeah, it, it was great. Um, and then we also briefly spoke about Annihilation at the end of that. Jeremy, did you watch it? Yes. Jeremy did a very like, oh, fuck this movie, sigh. So No, it wasn't that. Because <laughs> this is a fantastic movie. So I have I'm to say, no, I, Annihilation might be my most disappointing movie. Wow. I put it fifth uh, please. on my, my ranking. <laughs> I put it 12th. <laughs> um, okay, I, do, I thought do Annihilation tell, was fantastic. 
Yeah, I thought it was amazing. I think... I don't know. I don't know. I just... So I watched it ages ago. That's the thing. Like, you see, I only so, watched it like a week ago. Oh, right, yeah. So I watched it at the beginning of the year in like March, maybe? Yeah. Like it, so I, I was just super excited for this movie because it had such great buzz. Yeah. And um, I just thought the the ideas behind it that I watched the trailer and I was just like, oh man, I can't wait to see this. I was super pissed off that it didn't go to the theaters because I thought visually it would have been an amazing movie to go to the theaters. Absolutely, yeah. Um, like just stunning. So, no, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk back because the more I think about it and talk about it, like I just haven't thought about the movie in ages. But I think I was left the ending of the film really disappointed me. Um, I thought that it could go somewhere better. I thought it could go somewhere that was cooler and it frustrated me that like my expectations or hopes for the ending of the movie, it's almost like the filmmaker was like, ha, nah, nah, I'm not going to give you it. I'm not going to give it to you. And that I think, especially when it comes to science fiction, I want to be blown away by how clever the ending is or how like the director will, you know, the storyteller will bring something through at the end that you just haven't thought about. And the thing is that basically... I think the ending just played out exactly how my mind thought it might go from about the halfway through the movie. I was like, oh, it could just go there and just just flatten out. And then right. it just did. It didn't really lift into something that was like really great Man. at the end. Not to continue the joke of vehemently disagreeing with you every time you state your opinion, Jeremy, but I, the, the ending blew me away. I was very surprised yeah. by the ending. I thought it was a fantastic way to wrap up that story. So I, I'm not saying that I predicted the ending in terms of what, exactly what would happen, but it's just, about to be like fuck this. No, 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 certainly not. But it's just. I don't yeah, know. I like guess just, that it'd reveal that she had an alien clone, kind of that was gonna come, maybe take over her body, but maybe not, and leave it on no, this no, ambiguous no. Just, note. I think it's more just that the movie just jumping in with huge spoilers. <laughs> yeah, the movie just it says it in the time code. It just ends, you know. It just it just ends, and just like okay, that's that's enough. We're done. And I'm like, no, what, what, what? And I don't know. It's, I mean, it's the filmmaker's choice. It's totally... I, I recognise that as well. They don't have to. And it, I, it was a legitimate place to end the movie. It just disappointed me because I I wanted it to be something that was cooler mm. or like a better finish. Yeah. It's really interesting reading about the um, the Alex Garland's like... So it's based on a book. Yeah. And he read it like years ago and didn't reread it to write the script. Because <laughs> um, he's like... He wanted it to feel like a dream of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he also, but then he, when the film was cast, everything like that, he got a lot of flack because they were like, actually, this character is supposed to be Native American. This character is supposed to be like, right. part, whatever. And um, he was, and, but that's revealed in the sequel. And he's like, I haven't read the sequels. So, oh. like, it's actually like. <laughs> yeah, the, the book, the characters yeah. don't even have names. They're referred to, or genders. They, they're referred to by their, their profession. Mm. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Jess has just read the books. She said they were real good. Um, but yeah, like, um, yeah, so that was really interesting. I, th- I think that's, um, for this film especially, I mean, I haven't read the book, but I, I think that's a really cool way to do it is like, it feels like a dream of the book. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. and it's like, and it's that dream like, that dream like quality really comes through. Mm. Yeah. Also, I think this movie, this movie is 100% like evidence that you can have a female led film and it doesn't have to be like, ooh, girls are on top. Yeah. It's so great. It's just like, this is a freaking awesome movie and like they're badasses and I loved it. And I didn't even like while I was watching it, I wasn't being like, well, this is a good film for a female led film. Well, like 
Uh, but like, yeah, but like, sort of piggybacking on top of that, it's like it is a good female-led film, but it's not just like like you couldn't just give the same script to men and not change anything. No, no, no. Um, and I think that's what what makes it a strong. That's what makes it a good female-led film is that it is important that they're women. Yeah, but it's also like the film's not about that. Yeah, you know, it's just a story that naturally is what it is. The creative concept in this film is just really interesting as well. Like yeah. the, mm. the what the 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 sci-fi hook, I guess. I I watched. I was like, that's fucking awesome. Like that's such a cool idea. And so yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, All right. I, th- um, I would love to spend more time inside the world that's created in the in the in the film. Sure. Yeah. 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 Right. Um. So we finished off the podcast uh, at the start of the last year by with Jeremy being like, hey, 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 just before we go. Can we please just take a moment to acknowledge that this is the year of Rosamund Pike? Jeremy, how many Rosamund Pike movies did you see this year? Joke's on you. I went and watched her whole back catalogue just okay. to avoid this question. No, how many were there? Uh, no, I have no idea. There, there was one. I saw there she was She was nominated one. for a Golden Globe. Um, but I don't think... I, I don't think that's what everyone's talking about, <laughs> the fact that she was um, in a lot of films You know what? Year. It should be the year of Rosamund Pike, though, because <laughs> she is amazing. Oh, she's great. Um, now... Immediately after we cut, Jeremy was like, oh, you didn't talk about A Quiet Place. Um, I had a lot of things to say so, right near the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so now those are all, all the, 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 like, now ends the sequel part of the first one. So now that we're going to talk about some other films that we saw throughout the year that we maybe didn't know were coming out um, this time last year. Uh, so A Quiet Place, John Krasinski, Emily Blunt... Uh, this we is all a real saw great Jeremy and I went to go see it together, Richard, actually. This is the first movie we went and saw together. <laughs> Super cute. Um, it was great. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the I I really enjoyed uh, like basically everything about a quiet place. I thought it's really fresh and new concept. It's a really um it's it's very clearly a passion project in the best sense of that word. Like there's a lot of passion in the film. It's also a um, project. Yeah, that's true. It's both of those things. Uh, the environment's cool. The monsters are cool. The like, the this is something it has over Bird Box, which we'll talk about in a second. Is that you go? The concept of the film is you can't make a sound, or the monsters get you. And the film then sets up a bunch of situations where how do you get around this without talking, but or making a sound, right? Like that's what's yeah. cool about it. Um, the only thing, the only well, not a, it's a kind of a, a can of worms. The main. Th- thing that pushed it down on my list um to number 12 uh was that it is very much a wait a minute movie where after it ends you go home and you're thinking about how much you enjoyed it and then you go wait a minute and all these other like yeah basically yeah you go wait a minute what happens when they do this wait a minute what and so they build their house next to the waterfall john krasinski has confirmed that (laughs) um you pull your ass cheeks apart or fart into a pillow. Mm. Which is somehow um, not as bad as J.K. Rowling revealing that wizards used to shit everywhere. Um, yeah, because J- it's, it's relevant, I guess. You're like, oh, what a fun, funny guy. And you expect him to comment on these things. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the whole like, why didn't they build the house next to the waterfall? It's like, fuck off. <laughs> No, exactly. I agree. Even though I'm the one who brought up the the wait a minute point is that it is all these things that you go, hey, what about this? My answer to them is like, yeah, I don't know. It didn't ruin the movie for me. So it's like, because I was like, oh, it's like 
fuck off and, and, and just as, as he I said, said fuck in, off. in between those two sentences like yeah, parts like, of the, the pause Jess opened the door and like said hi and I was like fuck off <laughs> that was so good um yeah, yeah so, so it's, it's very similar to a movie that I really love called Signs that we've talked about ad nauseum uh, on this podcast oh, uh, I'm so nauseous because of how much you talk about this yeah yes the M. That's Night Shyamalan magnum opus that is signs which is also a wait a minute movie where after it ends you go wait a minute how do they do this how do they do that the, I, I haven't seen signs but but the the complaint of like oh it's so stupid because why would you invade a planet that's like you know two-thirds water if you're allergic to it like if, if i invaded a planet that was just covered in like some yellow substance i'd be like oh, okay cool yeah i'll invade it and then i touched the yellow substance and i was like ah fuck it burns like, I don't want to watch Mojo on that planet being like, oh, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, you can't know. <laughs> anyway, Quiet Place. I, I I loved it. And and this is my least disappointing film of the year because I had such high hopes for it and I was super excited. And it was like you going into, into the Spider-Verse. It was like all your hopes were kind of met and it also exceeded them. You know, like mm. it was just like, I was really, really sure. stoked with this whole movie. It was just... I thought John Krasinski, just John Krasinski and Emily Blunt are both people I love to watch, and seeing them act together was really great. Yeah, that was and cool. I, I, it truly was a suspenseful film for me. Like it was oh, a movie where yeah. I actually cared. Yeah. Hell yeah, I actually cared about all the characters, and I really, yeah, like I just, yeah, and the, the, char- yeah. the creature design was all excellent, and I didn't even mind like the big kind of like moments of just like oh that nail's gonna come back later yeah 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 like um i think it's, it's a master I don't know if you're supposed to mind those moments i think that's yeah just it, it's like a um, it's just signposting yeah it's a it's a master class in like suspense and stuff like that but i um i did my main complaint about this is that so spoilers for a quiet place is so the little girl's deaf and turns out that like when her um, hearing aid malfunctions, it emits a frequency that hurts the monsters. And we're shown this real early on in the movie, or like maybe maybe a third or halfway through. And it takes till the end of the film to the characters to work out. And I, I like mm. Hitchcock said, like suspense is when you um, you have characters eating around a table. Yeah. You put the camera down and show them there's show there's a bomb under there, and so it's you knowing something the characters don't. I get this in zombie movies a lot where I it frustrates me when it takes the character so long to work out something that seems really obvious to, to the audience. And so I think, yeah, that, to me, that was my main complaint of A well, Quiet it's Place. The reverse, that, like, it's the reverse of suspense, right? So the yeah. problem, they don't know about the problem, it's under the table. But it's like watching a whole bunch of people who are dying and then you pan down under the table and there's the, like the antidote to the poison. You yeah. know? And it's just like, when are they going to... Well, we all know yeah. that's how the movie's yeah. going to finish. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not the, the suspense isn't something bad might happen. It's when will this good thing happen? Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Well, because you give that, you give that, away that, the fix. That's 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 what I would regard as a wait a minute moment because the movie ends. You go home. You talk about how good it is, and then you go wait a minute. It took them that long to figure out that high frequency hurts monsters that are basically a giant eardrum. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I could have figured that out the first day. Like, you know. Yeah, the police have like um like riot. Um, they they control riots with like uh, you know high frequency sometimes and it's like th- yeah. like yeah 
I think that you have to assume because everyone's like, oh, I want to see a prequel, but like I think the for a quiet place to work, the monsters had to kill kill everyone within like twenty four hours. Well, the thing is that the monsters yeah. couldn't have gone anywhere near malls. That like you know how malls like to prevent teenagers from like um, loitering around the outside of malls. They sometimes they'll play classical music, but sometimes they actually just play high frequency sounds that are like annoying to teenagers because <laughs> they're the only ones whose ears can hear them. Yeah, I, I, well, I don't know about that because I can't hear them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like but the, but then there is like um, there's newspaper clippings at the start of the film that are like half the population's dead and all this shit. And it's like who's still a, writing newspapers yeah, if so half the population it's is implied dead. that like who's did, running the, the presses took a while <laughs> but I, I would quite like because there's there's talk of a sequel now as well and i would i quite like to see a sequel that takes like the alien aliens kind of route because it's it ends with her cocking a gun that's the last shot of the film yeah. and it's like it's business time um yeah. and then so i'd like to see the action movie version of this film yeah. but john krasinski said that it's not a traditional sequel but i mean that could be because it's changing genres so I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's changing genres to like the animal that the 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 new aliens like are only attracted to smell, and so mm. you just have to be completely neutral. And then at the end of the film, be like, how do they fart? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the two elements of fart, smell, and hearing it. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll yeah. be like yeah, the I mean, fart cycle. Mm. Like the- <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, we had Bird Box as well, which was the same thing, but with not allowed to look at them. So we really yeah. should get all five senses at some point. Yeah. I'm well, looking forward to the, you can't you can't exude any energy because your BO will give you away movie. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that, that uh, horror film. Do we want to talk about Bird Box now then? We can do, yep. Uh, I mean, it leads into it quite nicely. Um, yeah, Bird Box. Have you watched this, Jeremy? It's a new Netflix film. No. So, I um, mean, it came out a long time after, quite well, a long time, but like, you know, nine 10 months after a quiet place kind of thing uh and so yeah the, the conceit of this it's it's got a lot of um comparison because it's about you have to remove a sense to um it's sense you have to deprive one sense to survive yeah. um although talking isn't a sense that's a good like, point um, <laughs> i haven't realized that until now <laughs> yeah like it's more um, a hear no evil speak no evil see no evil comparison than anything yeah, else yeah um yeah so what did you think of this film ajo um listen Similar to Ocean's 8 being the the most 5 out of 10 movie that ever existed. Sandra Bullock, I think, was 2018 was her year for being in movies that you don't really have too much bad to say about it, but you're not that into it. <laughs> like, yeah. the, this movie, it's fine, and there's some really cool stuff in it, and there's some really dumb stuff in it. I think it's some of the worst dialogue I've ever heard in a movie of this caliber. Yeah. Um, people, like, there's a the, the comic relief character from Get Out is in this movie and it's it's just it's so painful to watch the like cogs of how this film was made took over to being like and let's put the funny guy from get out in it because he's not he doesn't (laughs) shine in this film not as much as he didn't get out uh there's some very annoying characters there's some very annoying decisions made um not only by the characters but by the filmmakers um the movie's basically split into two halves um that it cuts back and forth between so one is how the apocalypse happened and one is five years later how they're dealing with it and i thought the five years later stuff was so much more interesting than the how it happened but the how it happened is probably the majority of what it gives you that's interesting because i i I think i felt the other way oh really please go on um well yeah i I like yeah like again there's a lot of dumb stuff and frustrating when are you going to work this out kind of stuff in the film um but 
Yeah, there's this there's some definitely some good stuff in it. And again, this is a movie that like everyone at work is like, oh my god, you have to watch it. It's so good. And I'm like, ah, it's just it's just a lot of idea. It's a it's like a melting pot or like a Frankenstein's monster of ideas that are done better elsewhere. Um, yeah. Man, I hope no one from your work listens to this podcast, dude. You're ragging on them. I hope no one from your work and no, no New Zealand Look, celebrity to this, listens to this. He means everyone but you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except you. Um, that goes yeah, for New like, Zealand celebrities we haven't explicitly mentioned as well. <laughs> yeah, like th- there is a lot of good ideas. Oh, and I do want to just use this this point to um, to point out as well. So the the kind of romantic lead from it is the uh, is played by the guy who plays the oldest version of the main character in Moonlight. And when we did our, like, most anticipated, disappointed, whatever, for that year, none of us had seen Moonlight. Have you seen it, Jeremy? Yeah, I've seen Moonlight. Yeah. Fuck, it's good. <laughs> I only just watched it real recently, and I was like, like, because it's told in, like, three acts, and I was like, because um, I'd heard it, like, it's one of the best films of the 21st century. And watching it, the, the first two acts, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And then the third act, I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Okay. Um, Jeremy, you right. screwed up your face massively when I said I liked it. Oh, I mean, my thought I've, I've already talked about Moonlight. Yeah. Yeah, he I, had I talked seen about it. Moon- yeah, that's right. Two, yeah. two yeah, years ago. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw it so long ago. But I finally got around to it and I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I, it was funny, funny. I was just talking to the friend of mine that I went to go see it with yeah. um, today and he just randomly brought it up. So it's funny that it was talking about it again. And he was just like, man, what the hell was up with everyone loving that movie so much? Like, it was just so boring. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so yeah, I don't know. good. I just, it just did not hit for me. But like, do, do I got to put yeah. Moonlight in the time code of this podcast now so that people know when we talk about Moonlight? <laughs> well, I haven't spoiled it in any way, but it's like, yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's like talking of like character arcs and stuff like that. It's like realizing the character arc and, and how it pays off is like, okay. It, it, it's like, it almost plays like a twist where it's like, there's a, there's a like moment and shit where like everything falls into place and you're like, I get this movie now. Um, right. But anyway, okay. so that's, that's Moonlight. <laughs> I just wanted a platform to talk about how good Moonlight is. Um, <laughs> I was really the- late to watch it, guys, <laughs> yeah. and I just needed to retcon this conversation. That's the best thing you can say about Bird Box is it's a really good platform, a really good jumping off point to talk about Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Bird Box, it's it's fine. And but again, Bird Box, like I I read up about stuff they changed from the book and stuff like that, and it's like, uh, the book probably sounds like it's a lot better. Yeah, yeah, I I, I read some of that too. So I, I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't not recommend checking it out because it's on Netflix. It's like yeah, just just watch it. You may as well. I'd recommend um, it watching it more for the being in on the cultural joke than yeah. It being, it being a good movie. So you can get all the memes that have apparently been orchestrated by Netflix themselves. <laughs> Things like that. Uh, but so stay, sticking on the horror thriller kind of stuff, um, Hereditary, AJ, I know this is one of your favourite movies of the year. Mm. I didn't see yep. it, Jeremy, did you? No, didn't see no. it. Too scary I, for me. I put the sixth on my uh, ranking. Sixth oh, first, bro. Yes, sixth ass. Hey, look, I thought this was fantastic. I thought it was gripping and heartbreaking and like like some of the most true horror I've seen in years and I never want to see it again. I, I, I This was yeah. a one-time only uh, joint, man. I, I, I would recommend watching it just to have that experience of watching something that's so well made that you never want to experience again. It joins the ranks of films like um, Mother, 
Mother is another one. Absolutely. Mother and um, Elephant by Gus Van Sant is another movie that, that those three are the three like, these are objectively fantastic movies that I never want to watch again. <laughs> yeah. I, I have it downloaded. I have a, I have a copy of it, which I got <laughs> legally. And um, I just, every time I go to watch it, I'm, like, I'm just too scared. Yeah, it's pretty scary. But it's more... It's more dramatic than it is scary. Like, mm. a big thing people were saying about it when it came out was, like, oh, um, it's got, like, like Tony Collette is, had, d- delivers, like, this Oscar-worthy dramatic performance in it. But you could remove, like, there's, I, I don't know if I really want to spoil it um, too much, but, like, there is something that happens in the movie that wouldn't be out of place in a drama, but it's the main driving force of a horror movie. Which is really interesting. So it's just like, a, a movie that has a lot of weight to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's yeah, it's the a inciting, weight a minute. There's, there's the inc- every minute there's weight. <laughs> Wait a minute. There, there's a the inciting incident is something that would belong more in a hard drama than yeah, a horror it, movie. Like I, I heard it described as a family drama dressed up as a horror. Yeah, man. Yeah, it is. It is a terrifying. Ex- sorry, a family drama explored through the lens of horror. Sure. It, yeah. It's a, it is a terrifying depressing movie there was there was a part in the because i saw it with a bunch of friends on like a sunday afternoon it was great great crowd to see it with and like halfway through the movie i was like oh i want to leave i don't want to stay and watch the rest of this movie because it's so like like the the horrible stuff happens and then it's like the film's like okay everybody now we're gonna see how the people deal with this horrible incident and it's like no I don't want to see it. I just I want just, it to end here. In my mind, there's a narrator, and the narrator, like, it cuts to black, and the narrator, like, walks out in the zoo. He's like, okay, everyone, now that we've watched this, we're going to see how the family dealt with it. Yeah, pretty much, man. It's actually, uh, so, would highly recommend if you haven't seen it, uh, but. Would highly recommend if you want to hate yourself for making yeah, yourself yeah, sit it's, through it. It's, it's something that I begrudgingly ranked in my top 10, basically. Right. Um, Okay, next up, um, a film I saw and absolutely loved, A Star Is Born. Now, I can't wait to hear why you hated it, Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jeremy, tell me why I'm a fucking idiot for liking this film. No, 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 no. So, I... I'm frustrated that people love this movie yeah, so I much. I love this movie so much. So I'm, I'm frustrated because I don't think it's worth that. I think it's a good movie, but I think it's fundamentally flawed in a couple of ways, which should mean that people who are like generally clued up on like what makes movies good should find them as frustrating as I do. I know, I know that feeling and it's a frustrating feeling. Yeah, because- so like, like th- just this film just fails on some really like key levels for me. Like it just rockets through some really key emotional beats and it's just like yeah like like so the biggest one for me that's really obvious is basically when so there's a scene where he like they they fly somewhere and he gets on that in the plane and then while they're getting on a motorbike and they like drive to his his parent his parents old farm and he basically on the plane ride and then while they're like going on the motorbike trip he's basically telling her all of the story back the backstory information she needs to know and therefore we as the audience need to know to understand why when he gets to this dry patch of land that has like um uh windmills on it like electricity windmills on it he's like yeah and like falls to the ground and then literally it 
cuts like hard cuts to him like just walking into uh, the backstage area and like punching the guy as we find out that the guy is his brother and i'm just like oh my goodness like this is this i is- don't get what your issue was with it i don't oh, know I what just, you would have preferred <laughs> well, i just think like- that's when you find out he's his brother as well yeah he it talks is. about him earlier in the film no, no literally I, you, that, you do not when- find now that's when I realized he was his brother, but if I I realized if I'd remembered who his name was when you saw him earlier in the film, it would have become clear. Yeah, but the the thing is that also you don't pick up a lot of stuff in this movie. That's, I agree. It is very hard to understand. He's basically what Bane, are like most but, of the movie. And it's yeah, just- but I, I like I love that that's explained. It's like his brother mentions because he's basically doing a Sam Elliott impression the whole movie, and then Sam Elliott, his brother, says like, "You stole my voice." Yeah, and then. It makes for the the perfect second to last shot of the film, and I will defend this to my dying day that this film is like the best second to last shot of all time. Um, when in the middle of she's doing her big finale, and then it, spoilers for Starsborn, it cuts back to um, her and Bradley Cooper singing the song together. Yeah, and the whole time, and honestly, the whole time throughout the the movie and the song, I was like, "This is really good," and I was like, oh, "Okay, we're just ending with like a big Lady Gaga ballad." strong way in the film and then cut back to them and i was like this is perfect this is like what i wish i would have thought of if i was making this film um and he's singing in his own voice and it's like the only time we actually hear bradley cooper or jackson main sing or even speak without impersonating his brother because he, he was this is the only time he ever let his guard down even around Ali. like a true version of himself yeah and i thought that was like the most beautiful poignant thing we got and then we get the classic um looking into the camera can i have an oscar please um thing which uh, Leonardo DiCaprio did in the revenant and timothy chalamet did briefly at the end of Call it's interesting there's a there's a a um gestating video essay idea and looking into the camera at, at the end of your film <laughs> we just need a couple more examples yeah yeah it's, it's not quite there enough for me to be able to write anything about it but um don't just, steal just, this idea. Honestly, AJ, yeah. just go back and watch like all the Oscar-nominated movies from like yeah, yeah. the last thirty years, yeah. and you'll find enough. But um, but talking about like how the film speeds through it, I think that's a deliberate choice. It's not like sloppy filmmaking because we we don't get the becoming famous montage. She she's there, and then we see her on SNL, which is like a um showing how you know you can like it, it's a benchmark, and people know the level of fame you need to get there. But it's like if you imagine the levels of fame graphed out it, it's about someone whose star is on the rise and someone whose star is in decline and it's about the film is basically three acts one is when he's really famous and she's a nobody and then the end is when um she's really famous and his he's completely fallen out of the spotlight <laughs> and then the, yeah. the second act is that perfect moment where they meet in the middle but we both know it but, but we know it can't stay there yeah yeah i yeah i don't know i just I, I think also the problem is I was aware of, like, I knew the story going in, you know? Mm. And I think- Yeah, I didn't. And I think, I think cards on the table, I didn't know anything about it yeah. going in. And I think that really helped my experience of it. Yeah. And so I knew, I knew that basically the story of A Star Is Born, like I knew the history of it mm. and I'd seen one of the films before and I knew, I knew how the three films- differed between each other and so it's just like there are several beats in the film that always have to happen and one of them is that he kills himself Um, and so like for me it's just i i think that really spoiled i think if i'd been able to go into the movie and i did not know 
it probably I probably would have loved it like everyone else loves it. Yeah. But it's just because I knew I was just like just I was just like okay, it's just I'm waiting for him to kill himself. Right, yeah. And then so when when he does the whole thing and like the, the oh just the camera shot when he lays his cowboy hat down on the table, I'm just like oh that is the cheesiest visual image. Like oh, it's so lazy. The part that that. I, I don't know if I disagree or agree, but before he does it, he gives his dog a raw steak. And I was like, that's almost all you need to show. That'd be real cool storytelling if, like, you, he just it just shows him giving his dog a steak. And he just clears out, out the freezer and he's like, well, I'm going to be gone for a while. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I disagree. I, I, I really enjoyed that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the New Zealand Film Rating Board ruined it um, for oh, a lot true. of people as well. Um, we yeah, that happened some- to me. Yeah, we didn't get this in other countries, but if you don't know about this, um, the because there was a lot of people triggered by it, yeah. and there was uh, some people complained, and so they added like on the rating, you know, it has it says it's like R rated for you know whatever it it added and suicide and so. scenes of Bradley Cooper offing himself. Um, it, said, it said it said themes of suicide, um, and I saw that before just as I was buying tickets for it, and didn't I, my thought was more. Oh, that's interesting that they're putting that on movie ratings now and not, oh, it spoiled the end of the movie. And then yeah. thankfully I, I basically forgot about it all the way till the end. Yeah. But I think because um, it was so highly publicized, it was like, oh, A Star Is Born's rating now spoils it because Bradley Cooper kills himself. It's like, well, the article you yeah, wrote. Like you are now it. spoiling it. Um, yeah. And I don't know if, if going into this movie without um, knowing he kills himself is more important than keeping people safe who are more yeah, me- exactly. mentally shaky than I am. And so whatever. Like if they just added it with no publicity, that would have been fine. But the fact that everyone wrote an article about it, yeah. that's, I, th- well, that's, I think the that's what's more like, there's, there's, there's a public service kind of side to it as yeah, well, because yeah. actually like- New Zealand movie, does have one of the highest man, suicide rates. You could, like that movie, their marketing spend must have been enormous because there was like three or, three or four weeks where you could not move without seeing promotion for that movie. Well, yeah, I, I've, I've listened to the radio maybe like six times since August and every single time Shallow has been playing. Yeah. And everyone who listens to the radio on a daily basis will t- like tells you that- They've had the same experience of every time they listen to it. It's a great song. It won yeah. the Golden Globe for best song, and the music in this movie is great. Oh, um, so and the thing is, I, yeah. I just want to clarify as well. So much of this movie is phenomenal. Lady Gaga's performance is amazing. Bradley Cooper's performance is amazing. Bradley Cooper's direction for a first-time direction director is so good. Yeah, like I mean, he's a little bit in love with himself as an actor. Yeah, there's a but- lot of close-ups <laughs> of Bradley Cooper's face. <laughs> Uh, I also thought Sam Elliott was um, fantastic, yeah, and if yeah. only one of them could get the acting Oscar, I'd give it to Sam Elliott. Yeah, Sam Elliott wasn't even nominated for Golden Globes, really. Um, but but that, that's the thing with Golden Globes, though, is that like they have two categories for the main actor, but then the supporting, supporting actors, actors one, like, yeah. all. But um, yeah, I think because Bradley Cooper is actually a really good actor. He's been nominated for an Oscar three times, yeah, and this is his best performance by a long shot. Yeah, uh, yeah, so. I I thought yeah every just every this this movie was firing on all cylinders for me yeah so uh, yeah everything so I, that I can like be this good movie, this film was good. I don't have a boner for this movie like so many people do right I've got a huge <laughs> big boner for this movie. I've got one right it. now <laughs> okay so that's a Star Is Born because uh, I, I mean after I saw this film I was like AJ if we're doing Oscar season again you have to go see a Star Is Born because this is going to win Best Picture and it's going to win Best Actor and Actress and, and, and hopefully. And song, and hopefully support. Will actor. not win Best Actress. Yeah. I'm telling you that right now. Well, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> okay, so then uh, next we have Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Netflix film, Coen Brothers. Uh, I just watched it last week. I think Jeremy, you've watched it recently. Man, Netflix really wanted me to watch this movie. Eh? 
<laughs> like it was following me around the recommendations, something hard. Like in the middle of another film, it's like, turn this off, <laughs> chuck on Bell to Buster Scruggs. Mm. Yeah, um, I watched this and ranked it fourth on my top ten. I, I um, honestly just don't believe that, eh? What do you mean? Oh, Oh, stop what? not liking what films that everyone loves. What is wrong with you? What did, You're did, actually a fucking idiot, Jeremy. This is your last time on the Cold Popcher podcast because you start... Stop stop hating good movies! <laughs> it's so okay, okay, what's your dumb reason for not liking So this those? is a... Re- like, oh. It's a beautifully made movie. So, like, watching it, I still enjoyed, like, the, the, the visuals and everything. It was a well-made movie and I really liked the fact that I just didn't like any of the stories. I didn't like any, like didn't all like the stories were just flipping depressing. Right. And that, like, I guess I get it's a Western, but if you're going to do an anthology of stories, like have some highs and lows. What like, are you what? talking about? The, the, <laughs> the, the, the collection of stories are designed to be so different in every way. What are you talking about? Like it starts with like a Looney Tunes short, yes. and then goes to like a, a, a like a bit of fun that ends on a dark note, and then it goes to like a fucking depressing one, and then it goes to like um, another like fucking depressing one. No, no, it goes to like a really uplifting one, and then it goes to like this beautiful tragedy, and then it goes to like a campfire story. So those what was are the beautiful all tragedy? so tragedy. The the, four, um, the, the romance one. one, the um, the girl who. The 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 can the convoy that are going right. across country. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 The, the uplifting ones that um, Tom Waits. Um, oh man, I just honestly the Liam Neeson one. I just was like, I just hate this so much. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like that one. I like, that, that was just the, it was too the, depressing the, for me. The, the double banger that what really got me and the thing that just made me really like not about this movie was the double banger of that one and the the guy who the old man who's like with the owl. Yeah, the, the one that ends real uplifting and happy. Yeah, it's like the only one with a good with a happy ending. I, but I didn't really feel that happy about it because I'm just like, shit, man, these people are awful. <laughs> like, well, he gets he gets the gold that he that he deserved to get after surviving being shot. Yeah, that's really depressing. I oh, hate I how there's no know. karma in this movie. I just why yeah, do yeah, good guys get... always get good things? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Whatever, like, man. No, no, no. So like. <laughs> I, I, the thing is, also, I love the Coen brothers, but it's just, I don't know, just the mood of this, the mood that carried through it. Like, which the, one? I, because I, they I really, all had distinctly different moods. So, which one are you talking about? I love how angry you are right now. It's what, so you're just good. Being, you're, like, it's not just that I disagree with you. I think what you're saying is incorrect. You are saying <laughs> wrong things. That's fine. <laughs> um, I, I love, and I haven't seen many people talk about this, but I love the first segment Yeah, with Tim yeah. Blake Nelson. I, th- I thought it was so funny. I loved uh, all of them because they're all great. Yeah, they are all great. But like, <laughs> I, I see a lot of people rank this one like second to last. I, I, I put it second. Like if I was ranking them, I the Tom Waits one was my favorite one with the Mr. Pocket. And then second would be um, the, the the Yodeling Cowboy, Tim Blake, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, I thought it was so fun. And yeah. the songs were great, and it was just like it was just so silly, but so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I loved all of them. Yeah. I, I have an arbitrary ranking that I can't remember, but I loved yeah. all of them. That's I, the thing. I loved the first one, and I was like, I basically, I think the reason AJ why I felt like the rest of it was so the mood of the rest of it is because none of it it never went back up to that. Right. Or it never, and I didn't want the same feel. I just wanted like more joy. 
and I just I don't, f- it's not it's not joy that I think it was it was trying to be different genres within the wider western genre and I think it absolutely succeeded yeah. in doing that yeah and look I, I can see how you saw that I just I, I guess and also it's, a, it's the mood and it's the location and it's all that stuff all right. that well, you bring to a movie I'm going to step in to you guys and, and separate you <laughs> by talking about a film that I saw and you guys didn't um, <laughs> which is The Happy Time Murders now uh, this time last year, I didn't realize that this was coming out in 2018, but this gets my award for um, film that I was like all time most um, dis- most excited, anticipating versus how I felt coming out of it. Because I've re- read about this film like 10 years ago and I was so excited for it. Figured it would like never come out, this like gritty, um, like noir film starring Muppets. And then I was like, holy shit, that's coming out this year. Oh, but it's starring Melissa McCarthy. Not that I have anything against her. She's a great actress, but her choice of comedies doesn't really gel with me. Um, And yeah, this film, when the first trailer came out and then the reviews came out, it's as bad as you'd think. It's fucking terrible. Like this film is, and like Sausage Party is a better film, but I have the same kind of feeling of Sausage Party with Sausage Party that it's like, this is such a good idea and Batman vs Superman as well. It's like, this is such a good idea. And now we'll never get a great version of this film because you've wasted your one opportunity. Mm. Yeah. They, they try. I only saw the trailer for it, but um, I've, I've got, I can have quite a like dirty sense of humor. Mm. And I watched the trailer for this film and I was like, it's too dirty. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's a, there's a <laughs> Muppet jizzing everywhere in the trailer. And I was like, this is dumb. Yeah. This is, like, <laughs> this like, is too much. This film should be, this film should be a drama. If you take, if you replace the Muppets with humans. Yeah. yeah. But it's instead, it's all about like someone jizzing silly string everywhere for like 10 minutes. And like the, the film's just not, well crafted it's not crafted with care but like there was like concept art released of this like years ago when it was like going to star jamie fox and like be a grizzled detective and it's like so dark and gritty and we just got this like perfectly well lit just silly film that even like like so the the big twist in this film is revealed by finding out what color someone's pubic hair is and it's like this this shit's just stupid like yeah you when you saw it Richard, you were messaging me about it, and I hadn't seen it, and was didn't really care that much. And but then you said something that's that stuck with me all year, and you said, "God damn it, this film could have been so good." And I felt it. I felt your sadness like, when you said that. Yeah, because that, that's honestly what it comes. And and so it's like this could be. I mean, Cloverfield Paradox was because I went and I like seconds before watching, it, I was like, "This is gonna be the highlight of my year." And then after watching, I was like, "Fuck!" But this was like. It was a slow burn It was a slow burn. By the time it got to releasing, uh, like once I found out the cast, once I saw the poster, then once I saw the trailer, and then once I saw the reviews, and then when I was sitting in the cinema, just every single time my experience with it got worse and worse from like being one of my all-time most anticipated movies yeah. of like, wow, if they ever make this, it'll be incredible to just like, yeah, it's exactly what I just said. It's like, I'm so pissed off because this should have been amazing. Yeah. And- I- Another film that's like, how did you fuck this up? Um, we talk about it now is Christopher Robin. Now, yeah. I've kind of, I've kind of spoiled what I thought of the film, but <laughs> this- it's not even like it's nowhere near on the same um, like plane as the Happy Time Murders. But this was, you had like a home run, and you fumbled it. Okay? This 
this was my most disappointing film of 2018. Here we go, everyone. It's better than uh, um, the Cloverfield Paradox and Crimes of Grindelwald. But when I saw the like trailers for this movie and when I saw all the stuff that came out, I was like, this looks like the most wholesome movie ever made. And like, like magical. Like truly yeah, magical. Yeah, absolutely. And like the I, I absolutely love the decision to go with um the stuffed to- like the non non-expressioned yeah. stuffed toys, right? Um and I thought it was gonna be gonna be fantastic. Um leading up to when first impressions started leaking out and they weren't they weren't great. And I went to this movie being like, ah, I'm sure it's like, I'm sure it just won't be amazing, but it'll still be good. But we talked about my my flatline thing before of dipping into absurdity. This film dips into absurdity. Like this film has dumb, it's not just boring. It has ridiculous stuff <laughs> in it. And it broke my heart because I wanted this film to just be this charming, wholesome, beautiful thing. And it ended and I was like, that was so bad. Yeah, like this is a film. Like, get get some other like get um Paul King on board who did the Paddington movies. Get yeah. him on board and do a sequel, and I will be I will be there opening yeah, day. Yeah, totally. Like, because the actual the 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 proposition of it and all the pieces. Yeah, Ewan McGregor, yeah. like the 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 design of the characters, getting the original voice actors, like everything is some so of them. perfect. Like, Fred Garrett, man. L- like it's literally <laughs> like it's like it's like the finale of How I Met Your Mother. It, it's mm-hmm. like. Every, you had everything and you, you have to have tried to fuck it up. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's such a- You can't accidentally intense, fuck this up. Yeah, it's such an intense screwing up of a film. Like the the part the part that I, I got to and I was like, what on earth is going on is Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh are lost in the Hundred Acre Wood and then um, Christopher Robin falls down a hole in the ground and has a premonition where he's like floating in water and Winnie the Pooh's floating in water with him and he chases after him and I was like am I watching a Star Wars film? Why is there this ethereal dream shit and my Winnie the Pooh movie? It's like, like Thor it, going into the cave. Yeah, no, it's exactly <laughs> like that. And it's in a Winnie the Pooh movie that could have been simple and sweet and beautiful and I would have preferred, this is one of the only cases where I would have preferred a boring film over something that, like, it's the opposite of Solo. Solo, I would have preferred a bad film that just tried to be different than a boring film. This film, I would have much preferred if this just didn't take any risks yeah. and was fine. Like, like uh, the, I just, yeah. Yeah, the trailer for this film of, like, that that first one where it's like, oh, I never want to grow up. And then he's like, oh, I'm, I'm such a businessman. And then he sits down and he's like, Pooh? Yeah. that's that's a work of art that like yeah. that yeah. trailer yeah. is like phenomenal got me so excited like i was like almost in tears watching that trailer because it's so beautiful yeah and heartwarming and then, and then the film then just couldn't the end of promise. the film is christopher robin and his family coming up with the ideas that paid workers should get paid vacations and it's like why is this the end of the movie this is such a random topic to be covering in the woody the pooh movie like uh, it's just it's it was so out of place and out of out of just out of nowhere and i uh, i just i cannot i i've i've lost the words to express how disappointed i was because the the i i have some friends who aren't filmy people 
and they saw this movie and they were like, oh, it was nice. What are you talking about? And they act like, um, of course, AJ doesn't like a Winnie the Pooh movie because AJ would, you know, wouldn't like Winnie the Pooh. I love Winnie the Pooh, okay? Winnie the Pooh is super special to me. And the thing is about all these pe- all these people that are saying that this movie was fine you deserved better like i am rioting for you because you deserved a better movie than this yeah (laughs) the thing is that my wife is one of those people and so i actually i wasn't super excited about this movie and i think i basically went to this movie and like i i recognize everything you're saying and the ending specifically like the whole way that they came up with a fix of how he could like save everything and keep everything like Mm. that Oh my gosh. But I saw the rest of the film through her eyes. And so the bits that were truly beautiful and the little lines that Pooh says to Christopher Robin in that voice, like was still enough to have a gloss or a shine after I left the movie because I was holding on to those ones because those were the ones that I literally turned to her and like tears were in her eyes because she loved it so much. And so all the bits that were totally and i agree with you like what the hell and basically yeah the whole the whole part where in like towards the sort of the second third of the film they go into hundred acre wood and spend that time there you're like what is this mess but like the bits in the train where Pooh is just like counting out uh, like naming things out loud and then he's mm. just like you know it's just Pooh is just a, an amazing character and i think that agreed the way that <laughs> yeah. the way that they did him like so there's there's still a shine on on all the good parts of this movie that i think that you've lost because you're just yeah. frustrated with what could have been and so i'm i don't necessarily disagree with you that it was yeah, a, yeah. A, a bad version of what this movie could have been but i don't i'm not going to write it off as completely as you did yeah. it's weird that we got two movies this this year that were about um, toys or puppets that could have been so much better than they could have than they were. Yeah. Um, all right. Next film, Black Klansman. Oh, Jeremy, did you see this film? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, AJ, this was your number one of the year for quite a while, wasn't it? For it's now third, so just below um, Spider Man to the Spider Verse. Breathtaking film, absolutely yeah. devastating. Like, yeah. completely just in awe of this film. I cried at the end of this film, which, without going into too much spoilers, the end of this film in a if it was handled less well, uh, would have ruined the film. But yeah. it made me cry, yeah. <laughs> you totally. know. And um, the only real things I have to other things I have to say about it is I thought. Um, Adam Driver Adam Driver's character is one of my favourite characters I've seen in 2018 I thought he was such a cool I, I can't really yeah. explain why I just thought he was great yeah yeah. Jeremy? Oh, I mean I, I completely agree I think what I loved about this film was that it, even through some of the film I was just like oh this is a little too fun for the, <laughs> yeah. for the subject matter that <laughs> totally, like, totally. I, I was like oh it's almost like it's taking it a bit lightly but then what's so <laughs> brilliant about it is that it sort of like ties it all up neatly in a bow at the end of it and you're like oh yay racism is over and then basically <laughs> plunges you into yeah. the end and yeah. you're like that's the thing yeah it goes no it's not <laughs> and, and you just yeah. and, and i just i it's just one of those things where you just go like as a creative force i hand all of my praise over to you, the director. Like you have done an incredible job with your creative vision, with this whole movie. You've created an experience that leads people into an understanding of something that they might not have other like understood in such a in such a way using very disparate uh, sources. 
yeah. you know, like the yeah. story from the 1970s and like what's going on. Like it's just, it was brilliant. All the performances were great. And what's amazing is that in a movie with such a heavy theme and message, you still did actually have a really good time watching it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I also got the Blu-ray for $8 because um, there's a video shop closing down. Um, so... <laughs> Score one for Richard. Essential information. Now, um, AJ, what's the film that dethroned this as number one? Um, uh, sorry to bother you. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Like you can, you can tell me. Ah, uh, the film was called Sorry to Bother. Oh, you. what? Yeah, uh, yeah, Jeremy, you didn't see this, did you? No, I didn't. No, uh, yeah. So this was uh, the trailer came out at the start of the year, and it was like immediately became one of my most anticipated because the trailer was so fun and quirky, and I love Lakeith Stanfield, but um. Mm. And it's yeah, it's a great film, AJ. Yeah, I man, what a what a wild ride this, this film. Is. Yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy, please see it. Like after, like later on, like we can yeah. talk about it off pod. Yeah, it is so. What the way I've been describing this movie to people is like it is the you hear the word creative freedom, uh, well the words creative freedom a lot, and you know, people talking about a director's vision or films in general. This is the most creatively free movie I have ever seen. No one was telling Boots Riley, ah, don't put that in the movie. <laughs> it is, it is chock a block full of personality and insanity. This film is insane. And like people, people have asked me, what, what's it about? And all I say is, oh, it's about a guy who works at a call center. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, about as much as it, I want to honestly, tell people. Like, I could give you like a hundred years and you have to like give a new prediction every minute and you wouldn't be able to pick where this film's going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I could, t- I could tell you what happens in the end. I could spoil the movie for you and you'd be like, nah, I don't believe you. <laughs> it, is, it is excellent. It is. Uh, AJ's recommendation of, of the year is yeah. sorry to bother you. It's yeah. such a, such a me movie. It's, Such a, it's a amazing when... And the title's great. When, uh, it mm, is yeah, amazing when you watch something that absolutely should not work in any universe, yeah, but absolutely. because of who made it, it does. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, I, I love watching that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you yeah, absolutely. And Richard, you mentioned the title just then very briefly as sort of a quick thing, but um, this is a fantastic title. We talk about titles a lot in this podcast. Sorry to bother you. The movie is as good as the title, which doesn't always happen. Sometimes yeah. you get movies with real good titles, but they're not great. Sometimes you get movies that that um, have real bad titles, but they are great. This is a movie that's as good as its title. Yeah, like because <laughs> I remember when when the um, film was first announced by like the trailer getting released, I was like, "Oh, AJ, did you watch the trailer? Sorry to bother you." Because you often watch trailers, and I don't really. Um, right, and like you'll be like, "Oh, did you watch this trailer?" But why would I have watched it? Um, but. And, and then I was like, oh, AJ, you need to watch it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to it. <laughs> and you know what? When I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, looks a bit too weird for me. <laughs> that was my honest reaction to it. But then, like, you you specifically, you'd seen it a, a wee while before me. And, like, you're like, oh, you should definitely see it. And it, it aired, uh, aired, brought, what's the term? Uh, yeah. Released. Yeah. Yeah, it came out in Christchurch at the like boutique little cinema, not in, you know, not a mainline release. And I gathered up a bunch of friends and we went to it and we had the best time. Yeah. It was so fun watching with like in a room full of people. Yeah, I, I do wish I'd seen it in a cinema because I was waiting for it to come to New Zealand for so long. I even I sent a message to Flix, our like who, you know, curate like movies and stuff. And I was like, hey, is this getting a New Zealand release? And they were like, no, nah, probably not. So I watched it. I yeah, managed to obtain a copy because it had been released on digital in the on States. Your bedroom cinema. And so I managed to get a copy of it. 
And then literally 12 hours later, they were like, sorry to bother you, coming to New Zealand after I watched it. Um, <laughs> I so sorry to bother off. you, but we have some updated information. Um, uh, it's uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, please go watch it because it's so good. And, and speaking I'd love of to talk about it Jeremy, you. please go watch this. this um, and also New Zealand <laughs> getting weird release dates. Eighth grade comes out this week in New oh. Zealand and it's fucking incredible. It's like if yeah. you were ever... 13 years old and i know you were what <laughs> um you need to see this and movie a girl it's like um yeah it's, it's, a, it's about a girl going from eighth to ninth grade so leaving like primary school or intermediate depending on what kind of school you went to and just about to enter high school and it's like you, you might put this movie like and boys out there you might put this movie off because oh it's about a girl i won't be able to relate to it and even though it's like it's the most like now film ever released, probably of like, well this year anyway. Yeah. That like perfectly encapsulates what it's like to grow up now. I presume. Um, it's like you you will relate to this on so many levels. It's like in a in a year with um, like a quiet place, or like and then the nail in a quiet place. Eighth grade managed to have the most tense I've felt watching a movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the the eighth grade. Um- I ranked seventh. Yeah, I think I put it like uh, which, fourth. Which rounds out my top ten, um, which I'll say after we're done talking. Yeah, if you've forgotten. Um, but yeah, so Bo Burnham directed, wrote and directed this, which is a huge deal. Yeah, I was basically. looking forward to this for for ages because I love Bo Burnham. Mm. The trailer trailer might be one of my favorite, most favorite trailers of all time, um, just because it really like cemented the kind of movie that it is um yeah it's it's just a real good coming of age film that doesn't have the excuse of being a period piece like a lot of coming of age films are like yeah. i don't know how bo bo burnham can so accurately portray well i think yeah life, i think a lot but- of it was collaborating with elsie fisher who is phenomenal yeah. in this movie and to have herself on display in the way that she like, is zits and all zits and all yeah. and like at the time when you're most self-conscious in life it's like yeah. bravo she's phenomenal in this movie and the movie is like an experience everyone should watch it for this like very real visceral story of what it's like to grow up that everyone in the world will be able to relate to and it comes out in new zealand cinemas on thursday go see it yeah cool um all right next up um vice this was one that again i I, when we recorded last year i wasn't even sure if it was coming out in 2018 uh this is the dick cheney biopic um I'll keep this short, but it's not as good as the big short, but uh, it's still Christian Bale's phenomenal. He just won the Golden Globe as well for, um, uh, you know, actor in a musical or comedy. Adam McKay really wants you to think that he's a good director. Um, so, you know, just just let him have it. Because This is a cool genre, like, yeah. director-created genre for a, a director like him to put himself yeah, into. Yeah, these, like, like, really... Recent history explainers. Yeah. Stuff that, that you thought was too well, complicated you know? to understand. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, it is... Um, it, it's a story that I was fascinated by because I, I, didn't, I didn't really know that much about the whole Dick Cheney being the one really in charge. And... It's about some pretty despicable people. Um, Christian Bale thanked Satan in his um, in his acceptance speech. He said, "Thank you, Satan, for giving me uh, inspiration for playing this character." <laughs> um, and who was he playing? Dick Cheney. Oh right, uh, yeah, who's like still alive and yeah. is, is you know might see this movie. Um, and looks nothing like Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah, who's like stick but thin it, again. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's worth watching. It got some pretty bad. It was the most nominated film at the Golden Globes, and then it got pretty bad reviews when it came out. Um, 
overall i enjoyed it if i was if i was giving a ron tomato thumbs up thumbs down i would definitely give it a thumbs up but yeah it's like adam mckay makes every single directorial decision possible some work some are just fucking stupid and it's like he just wants you to think he's really good so he's like i'm gonna throw every single thing possible at the wall and some of it sticks and you'll think i'm really good right um but yeah which which can be really frustrating when you see the cogs moving yeah 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 um so that's vice uh all right ramping up to the end now uh, uh, uh jeremy you you requested that i bring up to all the boys i've loved before which i watched the other day not half bad yeah I, I thought it was just interesting and i thought it was worth talking just bringing up briefly that this was the first film that went direct to netflix that i felt like wasn't talked about before it came out on netflix and then it actually became like a zeitgeisty moment like in this in a similar way that um like, uh, like 10 things i had about you oh. and she's all that and stuff like that like this was a movie that didn't have a a cinema release it was just on netflix but it was started being talked about like everyone was watching it like of a certain yeah. age group and it was just like you've <laughs> got you to you've, you've got to watch this movie it's amazing and like this yeah. guy is now the new heartthrob of all the teen girls in a way that we used to only have with movies that had a huge release and like and and it was just like it was Netflix and it, I feel like Netflix now has a cut like 2018 was the year when Netflix was able to achieve that with films it's done it yeah. before with yeah. TV but this was the first year that it had a couple of moments where you've got to watch this movie that's only on Netflix yeah when when people are like talking about the history and the rise of Netflix in 20 years this will be one that gets brought up well like you know Noah Centino is the internet's boyfriend is like a right. massive moment for right. Netflix, you know? Yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah, it is a it is a good movie, and it's like like yeah, you mentioned like ten things I hate about you, and and those kind of movies. It's like this this could quite easily be like this generation or, or like from this the last like couple of years, one of those films that yeah. could probably will stand the test of times. And it's yeah, it got like swept under the rug, but and it's got an Asian American lead, and yeah, you know, like same same with Crazy Rich Asians, and. Yeah, it's it's good, and it's not about being Asian, but she just happens to be. And no, yeah, 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 that's great. It's, it's actually yeah, it's a pretty delightful like little film. Yeah, and there was, there was a quality in it, but what was really interesting also is it didn't have big name stars. Yeah, yeah, it was just it, it created a bunch of stars for Netflix, and yeah. now Netflix is <laughs> plugging them into the other Netflix nice. movies. Which, <laughs> you know, yeah. let's see All how right. that goes. Last couple of films, uh, AJ, you saw Mandy recently? Yeah, Mandy's real cool. Um, it's. It's two very enjoyable but very different movies kind of stuck together. Um, And that's probably the only bad thing I could say about it is that the first half is very serious and very um, uh, uh, important almost like it's and and very artsy. And then the second half is the schlocky, somewhat comedic Nicolas Cage slash a flick the trailers promised. So it, there is a disconnect, but both are equally as enjoyable. It just kind of felt like they weren't the same movie. It right, yeah. um, has one of the coolest filmmaking techniques I've seen uh, in 2018. I saw it in 2019, but um, <laughs> where it's the the entire scene is, is lit with red light and one character is talking to another character and it's a close-up of cutting back and forth between both their faces, but then it starts fading very slowly between their faces and you don't realise who's actually on screen for for several moments because it's they look they almost look one's a man and one's a woman but they <laughs> they look like the same person for cool. some of it it's yeah really cool. i um 
yeah, Mandy's definitely like on my list to check out. I do want to see that. Uh, and to finish us off, Jeremy, why don't you bring us home? You've been going on about it. <laughs> the wife, Glenn Close, did just win Best Actress in a Drama, which I didn't think she was going to do. But oh. I, mean, I mean, apparently, well, because I thought, you know, the Academy Awards love to do good stories and Lady Gaga first like film is um, first film yeah. playing a caricature of herself. It's a great story for her to win, but Glenn Close has been nominated six times without winning. So yeah. that's also a so good story. I think I, th- and I love this about the Academy Awards as well, because the Academy Awards is not just about who, because how can you actually say who has the best acting performance? So much of it is about like the narrative around someone's rise to win, like yeah. flipping near Leonardo DiCaprio and all this sort of stuff. So Heath, Heath Ledger is a real good example. Yeah. As well. This is a mm. very, very fascinating, um, you know, it's someone's time. Like it's either Lady Gaga's yeah, time because yeah, she's totally. just like supernovaed into you know, and it's even the narrative of the film itself. Yeah. Um, you know, the star is born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> and um, I th- did, I'm pretty sure Barbara Streisand won last time. Uh, did she win the Academy? Well, no, I, I know. Um, uh, Audrey Hepburn. No, Judy Garland. Judy Judy Garland was like famously didn't win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was famous. Like, it's, it's a lot of people were saying they can finally right the wrong of the main character of a Star Wars born not winning. Right, right, yeah. Well, but to be honest, it's just, it shouldn't happen because if you watch The Wife, Glenn Close's performance is so good. Like, the, the rest of the movie is fine. And it actually, it's a, it's a, it's a very, like, I enjoyed watching it as a movie. It doesn't make you just like light up like a Star Wars born did. Um, but it's it's a very good movie, and it's a movie that says something not just about the characters and the story it's telling. It's also saying something broader about society and the way that we view male and female success and stuff like that, which I think is a really amazing conversation that's going on at the moment. And this, I think this film really cements parts of that conversation in a way that you can't do just by talking about it. Um, and a huge part of that is actually Glenn Close's performance. You see... she. It's 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 amazing because if you just read the script and all the things that she said and the answers that she gave to people, you would think she is one kind of character and you would think a certain kind of truth about the events that are going on. But when you watch her performance when she says those lines and what she does and how she says them, you get a completely different story. Um, and I find that really amazing that it's her performance that gives the meaning to everything that's going on. Um, and so, yeah, I just... I, I loved Glenn Close in this, um, and I, I think if she if she does if she wins the Oscar, it's very deserved. And if someone else beats her, I would like to watch that performance because I think it's going to be a hard ask. Right? Okay. I I reckon what you've just said has has made me think Lady Gaga has more of a chance though, because hers is the more verbose and big. Oh, totally. Performance. Totally. Yeah. We well, that's the that. thing. Yeah. But the the Oscars tend to award the older uh, one who's acting the hardest not acting the best well and, and also like last year but also example. the oscars are like the 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 voting age of the you know the, the the age of the voters they all know glenn close from over the course of her career yeah and the fact that she hasn't won one yet i think is really in her favor in yeah, this she should have won sure 101 donations uh anyway <laughs> barbara streisand didn't win for oh, yeah. okay, i'm pretty um, sure yeah the, the stars ones never won so it's like we can finally give it to ali um or whatever the main character used to be called. Um, anyway, so that's our most disappointing of 2018 podcast in two parts. I do just want to, before we go, give you go, give us all a platform. If there's a film we didn't talk about that you just want to shout out, I've got a couple. Um, yep. Widows is really good. Uh, the Steve McQueen movie, a lot of people said they were really disappointed by it. Um, AJ, you probably wouldn't like it. It's a heist movie, but no, it course. probably has one of the best shots 
of the year in it. Um, mm-hmm. Tag was also just a real fun like studio comedy. We, Not as fun as it could have been. Yeah, though. it ends on I a agree. real we depressing We both agreed night. on that. Um, yeah. But yeah. it's still like, like it's a good time and- yeah, I, I don't have any. I don't really have any major complaints about it. For like, I'd it's a yeah, it's a I'd get what it you up against, kind of movie. I'd put it up against Game Night and Game Night. Yeah, is Game Night's much two. superior. I watch Tag on a plane, and I think it's the perfect place to watch it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Can I can I do a couple? Yeah, I've got a couple um, more to go, but yeah. You've put your names next to the two I'm going to say, so feel okay. free. to talk Well, about yeah. Them no, as you well. go. Yeah. Um, Upgrade was the better Venom movie yeah, of 2018. Yeah, Upgrade is fucking dope. Have you seen it, Jeremy? No. Watch it. It's fucking Re- awesome. Really cool. Yeah. Really cool film. Uh, and Searching. Yeah, Searching. Oh, I love really this good. film, man. It's like, um, it, it's it's a, um, like, kid get, like, kid goes missing movie told entirely through a computer, which also has um, an, a, an all Asian American cast, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Deborah Messing's in it as well. But yeah, it's like John Cho um, is the lead in it. And so- it was actually, yeah, it was a great year for Asian representation. Very, very cool movie. Um, uh, and we didn't mention Halloween because we did a whole podcast yeah. on it. But oh, no, I just saw Suspiria. Um, it's yeah, it's like average to good. It's I, I was expecting to be blown away by it. G- uh, Jess really, really liked it. Um, but yeah, I just watched a movie recently called Izzy Gets the Fuck Across Town, which was uh, <laughs> Mackenzie. I watched it because I have a massive crush on Mackenzie Davis. And then Carrie Coon showed up, who I also have a massive crush on. And then Lakeith Stanfield, who I also have a massive crush on, isn't it? So that was a big surprise for me. And I had a big stiffy the whole time. Cause all two more like two more. I just <laughs> want to mention, just to, so people know that we know they came out in 2018. Yeah. I watched I watched Roma, which I didn't quite understand, but it's pretty good, I guess. Um, and... Teen Titans Go to the Movies was a movie you really enjoyed, Richard. Yeah, I fucking loved this film. Holy shit. Like, I, I don't have any attachment to Teen Titans at all. I, I didn't like the show growing up. But, man, this is like, if you love, like, meta comedy and, like, superhero movies, this is so funny. It's like, it, it, like, and I put it in my top 10 of the year list. And, AJ, you were like, I actually can't believe you've done that. I'm every single. <laughs> but, like, in terms of uh, what a film Set, sets out to do versus did it have that response this is the one that did it the most with me so like yeah. it, it, it did a scary movie make me feel scared but like it did a movie that's supposed to make me laugh make me laugh yes this one did the most the, yeah it's it's frustrating because it's not like i disliked it yeah but you just <laughs> ranked it way too high <laughs> because i i thought it was it was funny i think i think in terms of the conversation around meta comedies and we're getting a like that's starting to mean something very different i'd say i'd put this in the same category as something like ralph breaks the internet and spider-man into the spider-verse which are all they're not meta comedies but they're movies that are making statements on them on their own studios yeah or yeah. proper inter- intellectual properties um i thought this one was a bit too much of that for me right yes like i I feel like it it it, it put its foot a bit too far ahead of everyone else um to the point where it felt like it wasn't even taking itself seriously jeremy was the only Um, thing you you're saying no man i i've completely exhausted (laughs) all of the movies i've watched this year Um, but and then also just because if you're listening to this overseas and you're like why don't they mention this film a lot of them haven't come out yet like um I'm going to see the favorite after this. Um, but yeah, like mid nineties never came out here. I don't think it is, but I do really want no. to see that. Um, I also need to, I'm going to watch Roma probably tomorrow. Um, what else like hasn't come out or we haven't had a chance to see yet that it's like, yes, we know. All the, most of the Oscar stuff. Yeah. Like- 
Um, if Beale Street could talk and yeah, if Beale Street could talk doesn't like come out here till like after the Oscars. Um, but I, I do classic New Zealand day. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so, yeah. but like, I mean, AJ and I are going to see very film nominated for Best Picture because we're going to be doing a podcast on it very shortly. Whoop, whoop. And just to end on, if you couldn't catch up while I was reading them out, here's my top 10. Feel free to list your guys as well yeah. if you want. Uh, at number 10, I got Mission Impossible Fallout. Number 9, I got Ralph Breaks the Internet. Number 8, I've got Black Panther. Number 7, I've got 8th Grade. Number six, uh, 6, I've got Hereditary. Number 5, I've got Han- Annihilation. Number 4, I've got The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Number 3, I've got Black Klansman. Number 2, I've got Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And number 1, I've got Sorry to Bother. Right, and my top 10, uh, just from 10 to 1, i got Juliet Naked, which is another film that I watched that is great um and then nine teen titans go the movies eight first reformed seven which is another one that i forgot to mention that is amazing uh seven mission impossible fallout six widows five star is born four eighth grade three avengers infinity war two black clansman and one spider-man to the spider-verse and i don't know <laughs> what was your favorite film of the Great. year my favorite film of the year i've just been looking through all of them because i'm like oh my gosh we're gonna have to go through disappointing and i like i've realized what my disappoint my most disappointing one is um my yeah. favorite's so hard um come back to me come okay back to me. Yeah, aj you're crowned most disappointing is christopher robin christopher robin for sure mine's cloverfield paradox jeremy uh my my crown most disappointing is jurassic world fallen kingdom Nice. Chris Pratt has fallen. I don't even remember talking about that. I know. <laughs> this this is why, like, I, did we cover that? I, I didn't. I just, this is why I'm going through it on my phone because I just didn't want to like rely on what we just talked <laughs> right, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and Jeremy, uh, next time you're on the podcast, we'll get your favorite film. Uh, Black Clansman. Black Clansman. Okay, yeah. sweet. Good. Um, Those are all real good. <laughs> films out my top three is our tops <laughs> so, mm. so that's really cool um i i, nice. I also want to say 2018 was a great year for films um yeah a lot of people have said it's real bad but no, like no out of the 51 films yeah. i ranked i would say i didn't have too much of a problem with let's see 35 of them <laughs> yeah like um uh, yeah I, i've got 57 on my list and i've since then watched a couple more um, so say maybe out of like 60 films, I would recommend like 46 of them. Mm. Sweet as. So, you know, and what is our longest ever podcast? Uh, if you combine the two halves, and I think just this alone is still our longest yeah. one. Uh, but that's great. That's fun. Why, uh, why not do it this this extreme? Yeah, let's, let's just end it. Um, yeah. Tune in next week for most anticipated films of 2019. Which shouldn't be as long. And we'll see you then. After that, we're going to get right back into film franchise Fortnite. So thank you very much for listening, thank everybody. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, this has been a long, long episode, and I know you're itching to, to get going. But just before you do, if you could just chuck us a like on our Facebook page or chuck us a wee subby on our YouTube channel, or you can find us on Instagram or Twitter. Um, or um, um, iTunes or SoundCloud just find us on there and and pledge your allegiance to us in whatever way that social media describes you can also email us at colpoptionmedia at gmail.com and stay tuned for next week when we talk about the most anticipated films of 2019 see you later everybody Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 